listening to today's podcast, we have a quick word from our sponsor. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for gold, and DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for our listeners. Listen to this great offer. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds if an American athlete stands on the podium and receives gold, silver, or bronze this week. 100 to 1 odds as an offer like this doesn't come around often. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now and get in on all the action. I love using DraftKings Sportsbooks. It's easy to navigate, has plenty of instruction for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and families have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. Again, that's promo code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, and new customers, this applies there. Uh, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Oh, that was a long one there, Grumpy. A long one indeed. Welcome. Do my introduction. Do my introduction. Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders and Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is the Grumpy Old Man. They say there is no to very little shame in his game because he is always the same. Why are you changing up? Why are you changing up all of a sudden? I had to put a little razzle and dazzle on it. Come on now. No, you didn't razzle and dazzle. You left out the NHL expert and analyst part, and then you, uh, you know, no shame with some of his game. What the heck? Don't deviate from the plan. All right? Ah. You have one instruction on how to introduce me. That's all you need to do. Don't ad lib. It's not your strength. Is that your contract? Speaking of something else that is not your strength, what's up with that shirt? You like it? I mean, is it the reason why you got it halfway down your uh, to your navel, unbuttoned with a Hugh Hefner? Apparently, it doesn't have a button up top. I wasn't aware. It was a gift given to me, but it's missing a button up top. But I, I'll, I'll roll with it. Get a safety pin. <laughs> oh goodness and with us today we have special guest i would call him nhl draft guru will scouching will scouch but he goes by the scouching report and again we have all his information in the link below you can find his website you can find his youtube channel you can find his twitter all attached there in the link below now i stumbled across him Luckily, stumbled across here uh, Will's information there uh, on uh, on a draft prospect, and uh, he did a very, very well in depth breakdown of Atu Ratu. Again, uh, what we would consider, hey, the gem of our draft here, Islander fans, there second round pick, and I love it. I became infatuated there with it. I knew we had to get Will here on the podcast there to kind of break down what was going on there uh, with the Islanders draft. But I first off want to give you a ch- oh, I'm sorry, Grum. Okay, now you pumped and promoted Will's YouTube channel, whatever else he does. And once again, you don't even mention us. Never. You never do. 
ever. Oh, I'm sorry. And again, if you like our content, you'll want to see more. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, like or follow there on Facebook and Twitter. Make sure you smash all the little buttons down there below, you know, as you're supposed to do. Grumpy instructs me. I've got to promote there. Um, and again, we also have our general sports podcast. We do tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also in the link in the description below. But I want Will to have a chance here, grumpy old man, to kind of tell us about how he got started because he's been doing this, I think it was since 2016. Is that right, Will? Ish, yeah. Uh, so originally it just started as just sort of a fun little Twitter feed to look at prospects and analyze them uh, back in 2016. But a couple of years of doing that, you know, it kind of got a little bit boring. Uh, so I decided to sort of take it to another level and I felt that there was some data analysis in, in prospect analysis that was kind of lacking a little bit. Really all we have to go off of a lot is, is just how many points a guy scores and how many goals and their, their team scores or something. So it just kind of snowballed very slowly over the last, I'd say three drafts from, you know, focusing a lot on, you know, I wanted to be sort of the YouTube guy that do, does this kind of stuff really in depth because there really wasn't much of that with, with like a real good production quality or at least, you know, passable production quality. Um, that was sort of the way that I would want to have done it. And over the last couple of seasons, it's just kind of gotten more and more nuts. So it started with me basically saying, all right, well, here are the players that I want to look at uh, and I'll make YouTube videos about them. And then the following season for 2020, it was, I'm just going to collect as much data as I possibly can. And then whatever I feel like you can make a story out of with those guys, uh, then you put that into a video. And then this past season, it was just more of the same. So uh, every year I sort of lean more and more into the data work that I do. Um, but the YouTube videos are a really good way to sort of capture it and communicate it. And uh, just it sort of just kept continuing to grow over the over the last little while. And uh, it's been really exciting. It's a ton of fun. Uh, a lot of people ask me if they if, if I think I'm any good. And I think it's still a little bit early to be sure. Um, but uh, it's been a lot of fun regardless. So uh, it, it's work that doesn't feel like work, which I guess is is, is largely the goal. Yeah, I just want to comment. Um, now, I don't know if you're any good at what you do, Will. I'll be honest. Probably not. Probably okay. not. <laughs> but your presentation is excellent, honestly. And TJ knows I hand out compliments like manhole <laughs> covers. I just don't do it. But – uh, like I said, a lot of us don't have time to go through the in-depth looking at prospects, particularly in hockey. You see a lot of it in football, you know, because they're more popular sports. But I was really impressed with the couple that I saw that you did. I mean, I thought they were – and you do do a lot of the analytics stuff, which I don't understand because I'm <laughs> old school for certain. But, I mean, you know, if you say this number is better than this one, and then mm -hmm. I look and I'm like, wow, that's really a lot better, I kind of get the grasp. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I was thoroughly impressed with the with a couple of the uh, snaps that I saw of yours. I mean, I thought it was really kudos to you. And I really highly recommend anybody in the Islanders never say die pocket. Just give it a look, because uh, like I said, just a couple of the prospects that I saw, I'm like, man, I don't know if he's right. But <laughs> I know he put in a lot of work. That's for certain. Well, well, well I appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, the, the big thing that I always try to to get across to, to folks, especially like the general population. Cause I do see how analytics or like data can be a little bit uh, not for everyone in terms of, you know, how to uh, communicate with people, but you, but using data to formulate arguments and then articulating yourself in a way that is accessible and not, 
Like I, th I think you can really find a very fine line when you go from being knowledgeable to being uh, almost arrogant about it if you have the data to, to support your arguments. But I think especially when you're looking at data and especially in hockey and even more especially in prospect analysis, you have to give yourself leeway to uncertainty and say, well, there's these things that could change over the next few years. There's these things and these things. Like to me, the thing that sticks out to me is picking uh, – is, is picking stocks. It's like picking stocks where you can do all the fundamental analysis you could ever want to do, but that doesn't guarantee that the stock price is ever going to hit the target you think it's going to hit. You could be the greatest advisor in the whole world and make a terrible bet because of either bad information or a lack of context or just the universe not wanting to give you a, a handful of good things. So it's it's fun work. So it's always good to hear that at least the part that I think is important, which is the communication, is something that is is accessible. Um, and walking that line of like providing you the data and the video and then how it's communicated is kind of the balance that I'm always trying to walk. And for certain you do that. So good to I know. Would, <laughs> I mean, I, seriously, I mean, I was really impressed with what, uh, you know, a couple of things that TJ sent me and, uh, you know, Kudos to you because, I mean, I know that took a lot of work. And, you know, you mentioned the arrogance before, you know, then TJ's right in your court there. That's what <laughs> well, we can talk all day about that if you want. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, Will, I, I want to ask you this there now, and I implore everybody to definitely check out the Aturatu there breakdown you've got. Um, I want to speak a little in general about the Islanders draft and what you kind of saw there. This is something where – in the past, I would say we have not done a great job of coming up with value picks. We've had a few guys where I think we've able we've been able to identify later on in draft classes that I think could you know uh, add a little bit more to the offensive acumen or lack thereof in our uh, prospect pool. And uh, this year, I thought we did a really really good job of finding those uh, value picks where in years past we haven't. I just kind of want you to speak a little bit to that there. And I know again, like with Tristan Lennox, their goalies uh, might not be exactly same applicable. It won't have the same exact amount of applicableness there to it. But I kind of wanted you to speak a little bit there to what you thought of our draft class this year. Uh. I thought most of it was pretty solid. I mean, I can't, you know, obviously when you don't have a pick in the top 50, it makes your draft class much less likely to be something otherworldly. And I look at the, you know, like the, 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 ever since the Islanders drafted Wallstrom and Dobson 11, 12, they, in my view, haven't really had, when they had their first round pick, the guy they picked was not in my first round. And, you know, and so for the last three years, really, like they've had a rough in terms of probability of finding some really useful piece. It's not it's not in their favor. Um, but that being said, I mean, wow. Well, yeah, I'm just looking back through the history. They haven't drafted in the first round very often. But that and that automatically kind of makes it hard to find value. Um, but I think when you look at this year's draft class for the for 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 uh, for the Islanders, I mean, they clearly are valuing their European scouts. I mean, that's something that is something that sticks out to me, like more so than a lot of teams. Um, and I think that overall it turned out pretty good. Like they picked a couple of guys that were personal favorites of mine. Um, they, they took some really interesting projects that might with some time turn into something useful, which I think, in, you know, like I'm looking at Alexi Malin in at 189 and he's a guy that I did not expect Lou Lamarillo as a general manager to draft, but he is super, super mobile on his feet for a defenseman. And in the sixth round, like that's about where I felt like he should have gone, but he's like one of those guys where it's just a shot in the dark, 
but one where you think you could hit on it just because he's a decently skating guy who played in a men's league this year in Finland already. Um, and he wasn't particularly great there, but his team wasn't great either. But I do like the sort of fundamentals of his game. So across the board, um, the only guy where I'm sitting there going, like, I don't understand why this guy was drafted is Itu Liukas at 157. But out of out of the rest of them, that's that's five of six where I'm like, OK, I can I can totally get it. Um, I'm a huge fan of Cameron Berg. I thought he should have gotten drafted last year. Um, he was one of the best players on drafted from last year to me. And it, it made a lot of sense to just pick him this year. He had a great year in the USHL. Tristan Lennox at 93 was I don't know. Uh, he's a goalie, and I'm not the biggest goalie expert, so I, I I sort of throw caution to the wind on that one, and 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 just go, we'll see what happens. Um, but at 93, there weren't a ton of players there where I'm like, I am, you know, I'm desperately wanting to draft these guys. Um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about Atu Ratu uh, for the rest of the show forever. But uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, that's a great. I think that's a great pickup. I mean, I think there's a lot more context behind it as to why he might have been there, but. I don't think the Islanders care, and I think I think Lou Lamarillo runs a pretty tight ship, and that might be somewhere where Aturatu might be able to get a bit of a reset for himself, which I think he needs. But overall, I thought the Islanders, considering the picks they had, uh, did pretty well. I want to speak. You mentioned a little bit about the fourth round pick there, Cameron Berg, and how you thought that that was a really good value pick there. I know a lot of Islander fans were upset that they see Dylan Duke, a guy who was projected to go, you know, mid second round, you know, third round, who slipped all the way there to the late fourth round. All Islander fans like Dylan Duke, Dylan Duke, Dylan Duke. And that's it. That's a consensus we happen to see quite a bit there. Uh, Is there any reason you think Dylan Duke slipped in the draft? Because he's five foot nine and he plays like he's six foot five. That's why. Uh, I, I think NHL teams looked at him and said he's never going to play that way in the NHL. You know, Dylan Duke is a guy who I really like. I think that he's a guy who can play the way he plays in the NHL. He's he's undersized, but he overcomes it pretty well. Um, he's unbelievably rambunctious. He gets to the net. He fights for position. And I can see the argument, especially coming from someone like Lou Lamarillo, where he's going, and also Dylan Duke is also generally a center. He plays wing sometimes, at least when I saw him, but generally he plays center. So you're looking at a five foot nine physical rambunctious center. And that, the formula there to most hockey people might be, uh, I don't know. But I don't know. I get the feeling that even if he's on the wing, you know, you, you put him in front of the net in the NHL, even if you're six foot four, he's going to give you hell to try to gain position and everything. So I understand why someone like Dylan Duke would have slipped, but I can also understand why of all teams in the national hockey league, the Tampa Bay lightning swapped to pick next year to just take him and say, who knows what'll happen, but this kid's falling too far. Um, I think I'm, I have really high hopes for him, but I also see, you know, with Cameron Berg, I mean, at the very, very worst, he's a guy who, you know, if he's playing on a power play one day, like a secondary power play for the Islanders, you give him the puck on the half boards and he can absolutely rip that puck in half and shoot it in the net. And breaking it down fundamentally, there might be more value in drafting a player where you think that might be their role with a bit of five on five offense as well, as opposed to like crossing your fingers and hoping that a five foot nine undersized physical guy where hockey people will give you reasons not to believe in him. You know, you might want to pass on that guy because that guy might not turn into anything. I might disagree with that, but I can understand why that would be the argument. Um, and usually with guys that are five foot nine, like I need them to play like Dylan Duke to make me think they're projectable. It's just that Duke doesn't really bring much else. It's more just about get to the net, raise hell, get chances. And when you're five foot nine and that's your bread and butter, 
can be a little bit tar- hard to project, but I don't know. I'm still a fan of him, um, but I can absolutely see why someone like Cameron Berg might have gained a little bit more sway. Absolutely. I know, Grump, I want to let you chime in if you have questions, because I've got a few. I've got a list of questions. Grump. Why don't you ask your silly questions, and then I'll get to the real the real things that matter. Uh, I, you know, it's so I- nice to hear that Will commented almost verbatim, you would think that we were hanging out together at the <laughs> failure of the Islanders drafting the last couple of years, because I'll be honest with you. I felt that, and here's the thing, you didn't rate the Islanders draft that high. And I thought it was outstanding. And I feel the reason was, is because they've been so poor in recent years that anything average is going to look superlative. <laughs> See, that's, that's my sure. way of thinking. Sure. See, I, I, get, I get that. I wanted to ask who you thought was most overdrafted. There's a few names. Again, this is just based off information I was gathering out there. I, you know, in, in your opinion, who was most overdrafted in this year's draft? As in way too high? Way too high. Uh, well, okay. On one, on one hand, the one t- style of answer I'd give you is a player that it's an overwhelming risk to draft a player as high as they went, and that would obviously be Tyler Boucher. That's exactly. Uh, what it's, it's, but 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 I I've been actually on a few different podcasts because I and and everybody asks me the same question and I have to follow up by saying, you know, in my deepest heart of hearts, I look at Tyler Boucher and just if he wasn't hurt this year and played the full season, I could see him being worthy of a first round pick easily. It's pretty straightforward to me. But he was just hurt so much and he only played about thirteen or fourteen games this year, something like that. And considering who else was on the board around ten. I have seen so much more of those other players in that cohort where I'm going, okay, I'm way more comfortable using a top 10 pick on these guys than maybe a power forward, power winger in, 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 in Tyler Boucher, who, you know, some people thought he might be drafted before the 20th overall pick. And generally in that situation, I just go, okay, like if that's the gamble you want to make, then go nuts. But I would rather not gamble with the 10th overall pick. But again, I think if he played a full season, he would probably be working his way into the first round. And he did towards the end of the year, but I don't know how that happened considering he wasn't playing. Um, But either way, uh, that was the one where I'm sort of like, wow, okay. And with regards to guys that I actually have watched, I mean, it's, it's hard because different teams have different priorities and they have different ideas of what they're looking for. Um, But I mean, I look at the St. Louis blues drafting Zach bull Duke and Brennan Othman going to the New York Rangers. And I'm thinking, you know, considering who was on the board, you know, you had Chaz Lucius, Fyodor Svechkov, Jesper Wallstead, Fabian Lassell, uh, even guys that went in the second round, like Logan Stankoven. I've seen a lot of all of those players, and I have a hard time taking a guy like Brennan Othman that high because I feel like similar to Tyler Boucher, you might end up with a middle six winger, a nice physical guy with some good hands, but not much else to speak of. He can shoot, but I'm not sure of what upside is there. And with Zach Bolduke, I mean, I had him ranked in my third round. I just didn't think there was much there uh, that was projectable. And I, I'm more than willing to be wrong. And usually when I'm that low on a player ranked that high by other people, there is a bit that I'm missing, but I'm very curious as to what it is with him. But those are the guys that really stuck out as a bit of uh, both 
risky picks and also just straight up i think leaving a lot on the table in order to draft just the guy they wanted i think and i look at the i look at the rangers and i see what they're trying to do with their team they're trying to get meaner and nastier and more physical and that's kind of a bit of what brendan offman brings and they drafted will cooley last year and you know they've made a whole bunch of signings this offseason that makes them bigger and nastier and meaner and like we'll see how that works out for them in the nhl i'm a little bit skeptical but if that's what they think they're going to get out of brendan offman one of these pesty shot first you know physical power wingers great uh cool i just feel again like there were players on the board that could be potential real impact players let alone a potential franchise goalie uh that just kept falling and falling and falling so i don't know but those are the names that come to mind absolutely and and I, this might be a little bit of a loaded question i feel like uh, and again i don't want you to be biased because you're on an islanders podcast but if i'm oh, thinking yeah. who's <laughs> Who's the biggest steal of the draft? I mean, who do you have up there? I figure, you know, Atu Ratu has to be one of those guys in, in the mix there. Um, Yeah, Ratu would be on that short list. I think someone like a Logan Stankoven at 47 to Dallas is terrifying to me, as if Dallas needs more offensive firepower that, you know, is kind of a no-brainer to take a chance on, especially at 47. That That poor kid had to wait way too long to hear his name called. Um, and I thought, I, I think the world of Logan Stankoven, I think he could be a tremendous hockey player in the NHL, regardless of the fact that he's five foot eight or five foot nine, his motor, his skill, his passing, his shot. Um, he was great at the under 18s of this year. I thought he was better than a lot of players that went ahead of him, uh, in this year's draft. Um, but Ratu is also up there as well. I mean, we'll see what happens with a Simone Robertson who fell to 71 to St. Louis, uh, a guy I had in my top 20, I thought that that was just way too far of a drop. And I think a lot of teams looked at his under 18 and said, and got a little bit of cold feet, but, but that would probably be the short list of, you know, Robertson in the third round raw two at 52 and, uh, and, and Stankoven at 47, probably those guys. Absolutely. And I know you had, and again, I implore everybody to go check out there the video you created there on uh, Ratu. I know you said biggest strengths there. He's an unbelievable, he's a, he's a gifted skater. He's a guy who's got uh, good stick handling ability. Um, one of the issues you said he had there was uh, shot. He struggled a little bit there with, as well as kind of entering, you know, the middle area of the ice. And you're wondering yeah. there again, I know you said uh, Carpet was a team that kind of played on the periphery. Now, I wanted to ask what you thought maybe did that impact him kind of staying out there on the outsides or is it just something you think is with his style that's kind of yeah i mean he was the thing about atu ratu is that he's just an extremely hard player to get a read on like he not only was he quite inconsistent this year like i'm underselling it he was extremely inconsistent this year um but he also it's you just know that he's capable of more and you, you can see it with the way he moves around the ice. You can see it with the way he carries the puck, the way he attacks up the middle of the neutral zone. He's just not putting it all together on a big stage. He went down to the junior level in Finland, and all of those issues I was talking that you just brought up were kind of not there. He just would get the puck at his own goal line and just barrel through the neutral zone and enter in the offensive zone and make a play from there. He was absolutely dominant. And when he went back to the Liga towards the back half of the year, he was better, but still inconsistent. But I've seen him at the men's league level play some absolutely dominant hockey. It comes and goes, but that's a guy where you, you mentioned the, the, the issues with his game that I brought up. He, he's, he's doing a lot for his team, 
but the team around him doesn't seem to be doing much. He was driving a lot of shot assists. He was getting inside to get his shot attempts a lot. But the problem is that you have a guy who scored over, I think, a goal per game when he was 16 or 15. All of a sudden, he can't hit the broadside of a barn in the men's league. And so what's happening there? How, you know, I've seen him miss the net from five feet out. He puts it over the net and puts it in the net behind the glass. It's like, that's not how a goal scorer shoots the puck. It's just not how that works. And that's, I, I would do something like that if I was on the ice. And so, and he's, and he's got no obstructions either. Like I've seen that happen a couple of times and you're just going, well, you're a goal scorer. So what's going wrong? I think he's just a guy who in my, I, I, I could be wrong, but if I'm putting on my, my analysis hat, I can't shake the feeling that that's a guy who has been given this, he's been anointed this, like you are an elite NHL prospect badge when he was 14 or 15. And some people might not be able to handle that mentally as well. And I feel like whether anyone was putting pressure on him or not, he might've been put, putting pressure on himself quite a bit to perform to the level that is expected of a top NHL draft pick. And I don't know, like I would be, I would not be surprised. I think, I think Scott Wheeler had a piece out where he was interviewing Atu Ratu and his coaches and they were like, yeah, he kind of lost it a little bit. He kind of lost his love for the game. He kind of just didn't have it. He kind of got the yips as you might call it to steal a, a baseball term. You know, it's, it's a little bit of that. And I think if, you, again, if you're talking 52nd overall, no matter what his issues are, I've seen enough potential and upside in his game where even if he doesn't work out and he, you know, ends up a mediocre finished pro league player, it's the second round. You took a chance on someone who could be extremely valuable. And I get the feeling that if Lou Lamorello really is GM of the year, he's going to have conversations with him that, that, that move things in the right direction and help him sort of reset with the Islanders. Because I don't know. I, I will see what happens. I don't know what their plans are for him, what they think he could be. Uh, if they think he could just be a third line shutdown guy and that's what they drafted him to be, then that's one thing. Um, but I've seen a lot of potential out of his game. I just feel like a fresh start and a reboot with the right group of people around him is what he needs. And they've been drafting a lot of fins, which might also help when he does make the transition over at some point to North American hockey, because that can be something that holds back some European players. So at least there's that foresight from previous drafts where, you know, with Bridgeport, as soon as maybe next year, you might have some fins on that team who there's a bit of a, of a, you know, cultural backbone there where, where he can sort of feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, but yeah, uh, the issues are still obviously an issue. Um, but there's a lot of potential and I, I think he's extremely uh, off. He, he's off the path that he was sort of anointed with, but I think you can get him back on it. I, I hope you can, cause he's really, really talented. And, and I know what you saw there too, uh, even in the summer showcase again, albeit against younger competition competition, he should be dominant. He did look um, thoroughly dominant there in that uh, summer showcase as well. Yeah, he did. I, I've only seen a little bit of the summer showcase. I try to not uh, put too much stock in summer tournaments and, and showcase tournaments, but it is interesting. I mean, it was really funny that the day he got drafted, he was scoring four goals. Um, <laughs> that's kind of fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I saw him against junior competition and, I, you know, I would fully expect him to be on the world junior team this year. And I would fully expect him to be a pretty major role player, uh, I hope you know, cause he, that's how he does play against junior competition. And I think he mentioned in that Scott Wheeler article about what it was like for him not to get a spot on the world junior team. And for him, it was a little bit of a, a reality check of him going, well, like 
not everything's going to be handed to me and they know I'm having a hard time. This might be a bit harsh to like leave him off, but you know, here you are and 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 there's a lesson to learn. So I hope that with a summer to take off after the, you know, after the draft is over, the whole multi-year journey for him to go from potential number 1 pick to disappointing second round faller I hope he can just put it in the back of his head and just go, you know what? My job now is to just play hockey and just turn it around because he can't like, that's the thing is I've seen him capable of doing it. So it's just going to be a matter of, uh, of, of getting there. Okay. Now that we've cleared away all the niceties about talking about Atu Ratu, there's been something that's been driving me crazy the last couple of years. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm not a draft expert like you are. I do love the draft, though, but I don't watch it like you do, and I readily admit that. But when I see certain guys that are really talented, and then I see guys like Simon Casper Holmstrom getting drafted ahead of them, <laughs> uh, I remember that draft like it was yesterday. I'm like, oh, I wanted Philip Tomasino. That's the guy I wanted. Yep. There were three guys. There were three guys. Philip Tomasino, uh, Arthur Kaliev and Connor McMichael. The three amigos, as they're known on this website. We, we are talking about the 2019 NHL draft. For those of you who are new, maybe this is new to you. For those who are, you know, repeat listeners, you're very well aware. Thank you for the sidebar. Instead, <laughs> we drafted Simon Casper Holmstrom. How did he get that, uh, the name of Casper? Just look at his picture. I mean, he looks like Casper the ghost. Casper and the three amigos. And uh, I mean, you was you were looking at draft back then. Was I wrong, or were the Islanders wrong in drafting Casper over those three extremely talented performers? Well, the thing about Simon Holmstrom, I remember that that draft, and that was really surprising to me. I mean, they were betting he was hurt for quite a bit when he was drafted, and I think the Islanders, like he was a very good junior player the year before he was draft eligible. Um, and I think that what the Islanders were thinking was, well, he was hurt and never really got back to 100%. So let's see what what happens. The thing that shocked me, though, is the fact that they brought him over to Bridgeport right away. That boggled my mind. I, I saw a comment um, from someone saying that uh, Ratu can't play in Bridgeport. But if you're European and an OHL team or WHL team or whatever doesn't have your rights, there's nothing stopping you from playing in the in the uh, in the in the AHL right away. So uh, Toronto has done it with Timothy Liljegren, and there's a few other examples that you can pull from. But for Simon Holmstrom, I never in a million years would have thought when he was draft eligible that he was ready for North American pro hockey, let alone Swedish pro hockey. He had two pro hockey games of experience in Sweden. And that's, to me, it's also indicative of like that he probably didn't play much in those games either. Um, so for, 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 for and I as as far as I remember, Bridgeport hasn't been that great over the last few years. So I don't what? know so I don't know why they would have just said, Hey, let's bring you out of your comfort zone, literally coming out of an injury season and planting you in the AHL right away when you've played two games in Swedish pro hockey. Um granted though, he is still only twenty. And the, I mean, I, I've never thought that that as a pick at 23, he was the right choice. And you mentioned Phil Tomasino and you mentioned, uh, let me look at the other guys. Like there was a few of them. Connor, uh, Connor, McMichael. Connor McMichael, Jacob Peltier, even. Um, 
yeah, Braden Tracy, Ryan Suzuki. There's a lot of options that went off the board soon after that. And Niels Hoglander was one that would have been on my list at that, at that. So I get the, again, and, and it's why uh, when you mention uh, the Tyler Boucher pick, it's like, that's where that risk comes in. You can say, oh, well, Simon Holmstrom was hurt. Oh, he was great last year. Oh, he did this and this and this, but he got hurt and didn't have the best season. It's like, well, okay, that's tr- all of that is true. But also you have guys like Philip Tomasino and Connor McMichael and guys who have a much longer track record of much higher success um, that they just sort of said, yeah, but Holmstrom's our guy. And it's like, okay, cool, fine. But then they bring him right over to the AHL. And I'm thinking, well, okay, the Swedish under 20 league to the AHL is a both massive cultural jump and a massive quality of play jump. So it, it seems to be a bit rocky with him. Uh, I think there were other options that would have been better. Um, but such is life sometimes, especially with Lou Lamorello at the helm, you know? Yeah. I like to say, oh, he sucks. He's a perimeter <laughs> Pete. Uh, doesn't like to get involved. Uh, to me, he was like Claude Rains, the invisible man during and, the World Juniors. And that's the big thing with players because i remember thinking the same thing about holmstrom when he was in junior is that he just didn't have that dynamic attack the middle you know pacey game that translates to the nhl well he's skilled and he's you know he's he's a solid player but to me i thought there was a lot coming out of junior that still needed work but then the elevation to say well forget about swedish pro hockey we're going to take you straight into the American hockey league full of 30 year old men who have been doing this for 10 years and feast on people like you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they seem to have. So, and that's a hard thing to learn when you're thrown into the fire like that. If you have trouble getting inside, inside in the middle of the ice and, and really attacking at that level of hockey, it's hard to just learn how to do it over time. You know, it's, it's like, you kind of have to bring yourself along slowly and fix your problems over time. Um, and I would have thought that this coming season would be his first in the AHL and two full seasons in the SHL might've made more sense to me, but you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. I don't know. It's, it's still early, but he's a rough one a little bit right now, at least. He's got Billy bust potential written all over him, but they'll jam him through because he's one of captain Lou's picks, you know, he and Fredo Lamarillo down there are the GM of the uh, the Bridgeport team. I'm calling him Fredo. Chris uh, Lamarillo. Yeah. Yeah, Fredo Lamarillo. Uh, anyone who's a Godfather fan knows the reference. Uh, you know, I just uh, – to me, it's frustrating. I The one thing we lack is talent, skilled players. And it seems like we want to avoid them at all costs, honestly. Uh, and that to me, that's really frustrating when you have – you know, when you have one guy on your your whole team, your whole big league team who has anything that I would consider offensive flair and creativity at all, you would think you'd want to put some of those guys in the minors. But I guess that's not the Islander way. A couple more Matt Barzells wouldn't hurt, but here we even are. Even one. Even one more. Yeah. It, doubles, it doubles what you have, right? Yep. I know. I, I, I've got one more item there on Aturatu, and I hate to hit home on this, but that there was something also I thought in your piece that you mentioned there is the fact that he's positionally aware there in his two-way game, and he does a good job on his, you know, on his defensive side of the puck. Uh, that I think, I think speaks volumes there for you know a perfect fit for the Islanders. And you know, I know you'll let, you'll let you speak a little bit on that, but also comparison-wise, who do you compare him there to? Ooh, um. 
Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's hard because he is so all over the place and he's so hard to pin down exactly what he's going to be in the NHL. I mean, I look at the things, the things with him away from the puck. It's a, it is a lot of that positional awareness. He is a pretty smart defensive player. You know, he knows how to clog up passing lanes. He knows how to participate on defensive rushes. You know, some people malign his, his skating as like not elite, but I think it's good enough, more than good enough. And you package with his skating and his hands and, and just the brain that he's got. Yeah. I think there's something there. So defensively, it's, it's always good to see him, you know, not, being aloof away from the puck defensively and and especially in European pro hockey even though the ice surface is bigger they'll find ways to 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 pick you apart if you're you know not careful with your defense um and he did that so that's that's there and it's just going to be a matter of of improving and finding that consistency for him like he's a player that I think is just a it's like 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 a mental switch it, that just has been flipped off for him where he's just kind of off his off his off that path you know and He's got the brain, though, when he's dialed in, he's got the brain to make it work. And, and a lot of that comes from from defense first, and then that offensive rush capability comes out. So in terms of a, an NHL player that I kind of think about him as, I, I have a hard time with NHL comparisons in the first place. But I think that Atu Ratu is going to be a guy that can play on your second or third unit, you know, uh, a guy who can move the puck up the ice with control. Really, really good skill, really good pace to his game. He's pretty selfless with the puck, but he also knows how to get into position to score. You know, he knows how to find space in front of the net. He he can, you know, he's pretty big. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's big enough where if he's willing to put on some strength and, and, and fill out a little, he can muscle his way around the ice a little bit better than he does, which again is another area that was pretty inconsistent. But again, when he's really moving his feet and, and really agile on his turns and everything and playing that pursuit defense, you get something there. There's there, he's an interesting player. Um, so I, I think that, you know, a, a middle of your lineup center and a, with this absolute ceiling being maybe a really good second line guy that you can sort of depend on for secondary scoring and just getting the puck up the ice. There's nothing wrong with that. And especially at 52, like that's the type of player that you might normally get at the mid teens to late teens in the NHL draft. Like in the twenties, even you might get a third line guy, um, like that's the reasonable expectation, but for Ratu, I think, you know, he's, he, I don't think he's going to end up somewhere in the middle though. I think he's either going to be one of those or he's going to really struggle to, to put it all back together and, and get to where he needs to be. But I'm opt I'm, I'm part of the optimistic group of people and that group of people tended to diminish more and more as the year went on, but I I'm ride or die for him. And that's it. Optimism. That's my middle name practically. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I'm definitely going that. Now I have I have a question for you real quick. And TJ, I don't know if you wanted to hit some comments that are questions for Will. While I'm asking this question, maybe you can run through that. But I have a question. Grump, are you giving me a cue or something I need to do? <laughs> yeah, you're just sitting there with your thumb up your butt as usual. So I figured I would give you some a little running orders as I'm asking Will a question, okay? Fire, Fire away. Okay. Uh, as we know, the Islanders forward grouping is totally devoid of talent, especially when Casper is at the top. Uh, but I'm looking at their defense seems pretty good. And there's four guys in particular, and I'm just wondering if you could rate them uh, one to four. We're talking about uh, Samuel Bullduck, uh, Sebastian Ajo, um, uh, Bodie Wild, and Robin, Robin Sallow. Ooh. Um, so – let me. Do, I got. I have a terrible short-term memory. So you've got Aho, uh, Sallow, 
who were the Bull Duke, Bull Duke and, and and Wild and Wild. Wild. Okay, so the thing about Sebastian Ajo is that he's 25, and that that already kind of puts him at a disadvantage. The runway. The good the good thing is the Islanders have played him, and if you look at when he was the year he was drafted, he's played like a really high amount of games compared to most guys drafted in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. And he was a guy that I thought should have been drafted a few times. And that's where the Islanders over the years have kind of found just easy picks to make. Like they're not very sexy, so to speak, or they're not very high upside, but Sebastian Ajo had played a number of seasons in the SHL and played pretty well, but it's kind of troubling. It's, it's, he's kind of struggled to like find his pace in the NHL. And I think the thing that when you ask a question like this, another thing is, to be to be aware of is that it seems as though what the what the New York Islanders kind of look for in a lot of defensemen isn't really that Sebastian Ajo brand of sort of all out offense, you know, puck movement, power play quarterback. You know, even Noah Dobson, when I see him with the uh, with the Islanders now, I don't quite see the the offensive defenseman that I saw in Quebec or in in the QMJHL, but I do see the the poised two way, two hundred foot intense you know, guy who can chip in offensively, but in obviously it's very difficult to play the way he did in junior in the NHL, but um, either way, but to answer the question. Well, just one thing you, I can tell you why they don't do that because the Islanders are afraid of scoring goals. They're <laughs> allergic to it. Well, that's they, the thing. Want, they, they, they don't want to run the risk of potentially giving up a scoring opportunity. They'd rather, you know, lose a game one, nothing than win one five to four. Right. So, sure. I, and and I, I mean, look, you've, you've made it to the conference finals a few years in a row. So something something's working. But um, I guess to answer the question, though, I mean, I think the upside with Bodie Wild is really high. He was a bit rough in the AHL this year, but I think that there's still a lot of potential with his game. I love how he plays. Um, uh, Bolduc is a guy who I just haven't seen a ton of, but he did seem like he had a pretty good AHL rookie season. Um, and I think that for, he's what, 21, he's turning 21 in December. So, and I get the feeling that since he's six foot four and not terrible in the AHL, he'll get a look at some point in the NHL and, and they'll give him a look. And, and that probably puts him ahead of guys like maybe Aho and Sallow for like a long-term NHL gig. Um, but I also do really like Robin Salo. He's had kind of up and down years over the last few years since he was drafted, but I thought that that was a really good pickup for the Islanders when they picked him. And he's kind of coming along slowly. I still have questions about how much he projects to the NHL. So I guess I would say, and again, I'm someone who thinks about potential upside and value if things work out. And I think that you can say like wild Duke, Salo, Ajo for like three years from now, who's going to be part of the Islanders defense group. And I get the feeling that Bodie Wild will figure out the defensive side of the game a little more in pro levels. Sam Duke kind of already has it in a sense, like he's that sort of defense first guy, but he can produce skilled offense as well for here and there. And Salo is a bit of a wild card. Who knows what he's going to be? And with Sebastian Ajo, he's kind of not really a, a prospect anymore. He's kind of an AHL, NHL tweener, at least with the Islanders. Um, and I just get the feeling that that's kind of where he's going to stay. Most guys don't get overwhelmingly better when they're 26, 27 years old. So we'll see what happens. He might have a year or two here and there where he plays a lot of minutes for the Islanders. But, you know, I'm not. he's the one where I'm sort of going, all right, he might just be kind of a guy for the team. And maybe he just leaves as a UFA and bounces around a few teams before going back to Sweden. Um, but definitely still a big fan of wild and I'm, and, and Sam and, uh, and Balduke is growing on me for sure. 
Wonderful. Okay. Uh, we got we got a few comments here. Oh, sorry, Grump. If you, okay. you well, yeah, I just I wanted to get my questions out of the way, and then definitely we want to hit the comments. Um, well, there's a couple other prospects: William Gifford, um, Alex Jeffries, uh, Reese, um, Reese Newkirk, Newkirk, and uh, Lund Kvantz. Alexander. Oh Lundkrantz. yes, Lundkrantz. Yes. Well, let me ask you this first off: What do you think of Alexander Lundkrantz? Because Grumpy and I uh, thought uh, positionally there for a third round, a third round pick there, a guy who's going to be you know bottom six guy grinder. Ooh. <sighs> I'd rather reach for somebody who has okay. This guy scores. I mean, you get it. I, from my my perspective, you get a grinder anywhere. Grinders are a dime a dozen. Whereas if you see someone, okay. Maybe he's not a well-rounded player, but you know what? He puts the puck in the net, or he, uh, you know, he does other other things extremely well. And I just, I, I'm just willing to roll a dice in the third round, I guess. Yeah, that's generally how I probably would have gone about things. Uh, if I'm ever running an NHL draft table, that's probably how I would think about it. Leon Krantz is to me just kind of a guy. I didn't think that he was going to get drafted that high. He's not bad. It's just a fact, it's just a number of just, it's just, again, what do you, you know, what are you really getting? And I just have struggled to really put my finger on how much of a needle mover he is. He does have a pretty good shot. He can score goals, but I don't know. And the other guys, Alex Jeffries, I actually kind of like him, but prep school guys, unless they're overwhelmingly positive, always kind of freak me out. But at 121, sure, go nuts. I thought of all the prep school guys last year, Jeffries was one of the shiftier, skilled, more fun guys to watch. Um, and I think he had a pretty good freshman year. I think he's in Quinnipiac, right? Um, he's at Merrimack College. Mary, oh, that's the other, yeah, the other, the other one, um, the other NCAA program. Yeah, so he had a decent first season, but he'll probably be there for a while. Um, the one I really like is William Dufour. That's a guy where I'm going. The that is an Islander. Like that guy is big and heavy, but he can play. And I think you know he's a guy who caught my eye a little bit in the in the 2020 draft and i always thought eh, you know maybe he's a bottom six guy but i think at the end of the day though if you get a bottom six guy at the 152nd pick overall and he's good at it you're doing okay and dufour is potentially one of those guys he had a great year last year on both teams he played for um and i think that he's a nice relatively i'd say safe bet to be a thing and if you have a safe bet to be a thing with your 152nd pick overall, you're doing pretty well. Um, and the other one you mentioned was Reese Newkirk. I'm not as familiar with Reese Newkirk. Uh, I've seen Portland play a little bit. He's not a guy that's kind of like exploded off the off the stat sheet or off the video screen to me. But again, we're talking fifth round pick, like late fifth round pick. And I don't think you can split hairs too much. Um, and he's still, you know, he. We'll, we'll see what happens with him. But the guy that, that you meant of that group that you mentioned that I really think could be something is is William Dufour like I I think about a guy like William Carrier in Vegas and I go yeah like the Islanders could use a guy like that especially as guys like Cal Clutterbuck get older I mean they just signed him to what a six-year deal for whatever uh so who knows what's going to happen there but you know he's just kind of one of those guys and you know as much as stats people and whatever can look at the identity line and go well it's just Matt Martin and it's oh it's just Cal Clutterbuck and oh it's just Casey Zekas like yeah, but there is something to having players like that somewhere on your team. You don't want 13 of them playing at every forward position, but having some... You don't? You don't? I don't maybe know. We should, maybe we should tell Lou that that's not what we need now. <laughs> I don't know. But 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 having a couple, having one or two or three, 
that can really, really make a difference. And I think with Dufour, he might be that sort of next wave of that. And and usually I'm the kind of person who's like, when people say that about a player, I'm very skeptical. But with Dufour, he kind of showed that when he was draft eligible. So I get the feeling that he should be able to do it in the NHL. That makes me feel so much better. As a matter of fact, I even say I would have felt better if they drafted DeFour in the third round yeah. and Lundkrantz in the fifth. Yeah. I would have felt better about the draft. It's funny how that happens so often. Like this year, there's so, like we were just talking about Zach Bolduke and Simon Robertson with the Blues. If Zach Bolduke was their 71st pick overall and Simon Robertson was their 17th pick overall, it'd be fine. It'd be perfectly fine. But it's just, you know, again, it's it's what are you getting and what are you passing on? And the Islanders, I think, got got pretty lucky with Dufour. I, I was lower on him than I probably should have been. Um, but he's the guy of that group that I definitely uh, think could be a thing and actually be an impact NHL player, both physically and like actually at playing hockey. Beautiful. I'm so glad that we think so much alike. It's scary, <laughs> actually. It I'm equally, good, it I can be equally grumpy too. Myself. Yeah. It makes me good about myself. When someone who spends so much time, such as yourself, and like I said, I love your work. Just love your work. And I feel the same way. It just shows how wonderful I am, actually. <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's your delivery, grumpy old man, that might be might be what the you know, like how you rub a cat and you sometimes rub the hair the wrong way, kind of makes them a little feisty. Grump, that's what you seem to do to rile up there the Islanders fan base there. I think it's your dialect. Maybe it's just my delivery. <laughs> well, Maybe. I've got a few questions here for you, and I've been kind of looking through the comments. And I think this is a good one there by Scott L. They're saying, what's your take on Otto Koivula? Now, this is an individual who seems to divide the Islanders fan base. I've always been a fan. I've always been a champion there of Otto Koivula. I like what he can do there on the puck. He's a bigger guy there. Um, if you could ever put it together there to be a little bit more physical, uh, I think he'd be an excellent fit. Um, but I do want to kind of get your take there on Otto Koivula. Yeah, he's tough. I mean, he's turning 23 in September. And after I, I remember watching a bit of him when he was a rookie with Bridgeport, because he kind of hit a lot of the check marks of like a really, really net positive player that that, you know, might be something. Um, but, you know, and then the next season, I, I'm seeing that he played a few games with the Islanders and didn't really have much to show for it. And he just since then has not had the best AHL time. And you know, he played in the Liga. He's a big guy, and I've definitely seen that resilience and strength out of him. And, you know, maybe he can be a fourth-line role-player guy for the Islanders, but I don't have huge expectations for him, at least not anymore, um, especially because he's going to be 23. Um, you know, a guy like that size with that much strength and, and, and the sort of skill level that he kind of has can get away with quite a bit in, in Finland in pro hockey. And he had a pretty good year there. Um, but again, I haven't seen a ton of him with Bridgeport over the last couple of years, but it's getting to that point where, you know, he's going to be 23. He's kind of an okay AHL player on a team. That's kind of okay. And I'm not really, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have enormous hopes for much more than kind of maybe a bit better than what he was in 2019, 20 at this point. Did you did you happen to hear that call right there, Grumpy? Was that Lou Lamarillo on the landline call? Oh, Lou on the oh, landline. No. That's oh, the only no. way he, he's he's heard he heard you uh, speaking positive about Otto Koivula, and he's against that because he's not thirty five years old, <laughs> uh, and we don't want to risk putting any youngsters in our lineup. 
Do do I need to leave before Lou gets me? Do I need to? <laughs> you know, I have him totally under control. Oh, He's okay. Under okay, good to know. Uh, I, I guess you know the Islanders like treating their prospects like a wine. They like to let uh, what's that rich type of like dessert wine where they like to let it rot, the grape rot on the vine, become overripe down there in Bridgeport. And any time oh, again, you've got Brent Brent Thompson down there. Ooh, nobody it, cares what you're talking about. All right. <laughs> Okay. About wine rotting on the vine. What the heck? I'm just trying to make a comparison. And Michael N. there saying, if you got to rank the Islanders' top five prospects right now, who would they be? That's a good question. Um, I think Ratu is up near the top. Uh, we'll go with him. Um, Bodie Wild, I would say. Uh, well, Oliver Wallstrom kind of doesn't really count anymore. He's been playing quite a bit. Um, we'll go in in no particular order, at least past Ratu. Ratu, definitely number one. Um, we'll go Bodie Wild. I'll still believe in Simon Holmstrom. I'll still do it. He's 20. Um, we'll throw in... I mean, there, I, I'm sorry, but there's not a whole lot. Uh, that makes us feel so much better. I don't know. I can't lie to you. Uh, <laughs> do, 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 do. You know what? I'll throw William Dufour in there just because he's going to probably be something. Um, which is valuable. And I don't know. Uh, Bull Duke? Yeah, maybe a Bull Duke because he's a little further on. Logan Cockrell comes to mind. He's been pretty good in the NCAA over the last few years. Um, but it's a little bit slim. Uh, oh, oh, Jakob Skarik also is a great goaltender coming out of the Czech Republic. So maybe Bull him. Trump. All I have to say is Will is not overwhelmed with our prospect <laughs> I, I think that's pretty obvious. I'm not. I don't think I'm selling them short there. Well, they draft what five times a year and never in the first round. Like it's kind of hard to build out a prospect pipeline that oh, is super deep. Me. When you stab me right in the heart, there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's he's not lying now. And again, I, I want to ask you this too because this has been w one last question for Will. I don't want to take up all your time here tonight. Um, and we appreciate obviously you you being on here. And again, I always implore everybody to go check out Will's work. It's fantastic, very detailed, very thorough. A lot of information for Grump. It was flying over his head. There's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of analytics. Grumpy was just way out of his. He was like swimming in the deep end of the pool without a life jacket on. So uh, make sure you check that out. Um, but uh, Kiefer Bellos and Ruslan Ishikov. Now, Kiefer Bellos is a guy who hasn't stuck for a multitude of reasons. Now, he, I, I, I'm not sure how much of his game you've watched down there in Bridgeport. And again, he's a tweener. He was a guy who was always on the um, the taxi squad last year. Um, I have to assume yep. he's involved in some sort of trade. Do you think with the Islanders or without the Islanders, that's a guy who can make it? I have a heart. Like the thing, he, he and... Uh, he and Oliver Wallstrom kind of share the same issues to me. Like I can see why the Islanders at the time would draft those guys because they were ranked in that range. But I mean, I watched a lot of Oliver Wallstrom over the years and I've seen a little bit of Zach Bull or not Zach Bull Duke, uh, um, Kiefer Bellows. Uh, Kiefer Bellows. Yeah. So I've seen him here and there over the years, uh, but not nearly as much. Um, and they both kind of have that, that thing where the, I I'm always wary of players where their best assets is score is shots and and they're, and scoring off of their shot. Always always wary of that. And if I had been tracking say an Oliver Wallstrom or even a Kiefer Bellows, I get the feeling I'd be lower on those guys than most simply because a lot of things need to happen that they don't do particularly well to get them in a position to do what they do well. 
and that is a that's a bit of an issue for me. Um, and with Kiefer Bellows, I mean, he's slowly sort of come along over the years, and he's still a heck of a goal scorer. Um, but again, it's with the NHL, you it doesn't hurt to set your bar really, really high for what you expect out of your players because the NHL is really, really hard. And for guys who can score in the AHL, even the jump to the NHL is a pretty big jump in pace and not too many guys can do it. I think Kiefer Bellows might still have some kind of a job as some kind of a role player. I just, I don't really know if it's an organizational mismatch. Like if the Islanders do have that defensive style and they don't want their guys playing risky offensive brands of hockey because they just need their need their defensive game to be so sound and tactical and calculated um i don't know and for the ruslan ishkakov uh thing i (laughs) that's a (laughs) that's a guy who i forgot to mention because i mean i have i think he's a long shot because he's five foot eight and a skilled crafty one-on-one style winger but he is really fun to watch and he's a guy who you know, I, I saw him in his rookie or freshman, I should say, freshman year with the University of Connecticut. And I did see him a little bit with TPS last year. And the guy's just like an electrifying, electrifying hockey player. And uh, it says here he's playing in Germany next year, which is an interesting change. But um, he's a guy where I think that if he plays a good year, he should be a very good player in the DEL this year. Tons of chances to, you know, pull out that skill, that toolbox, that fun factor. Uh, and I imagine that after that, the Islanders will bring him over. Um, they obviously think very highly of him. They picked him at 43rd, which to me was a bit of a surprise. But again, on that fundamental, just high, high skill game, there's a lot of that there with him. And it's going to be a matter of how that fits into someone like Barry Trotz's system, um, because he is kind of like that flashy, you know, Matt Barzal brand of player, but also just very small and a little bit slight on his frame. But still a ton of fun to watch. So I'll be very curious to see what happens with him. He just didn't come to mind originally because I just wonder how much, you know, how much of a chance there is that he actually does project because he is that one-on-one skill guy, which sometimes can work in the NHL, but there isn't much else outside of that. But he is a ton of fun. And you never know. He's still pretty young, uh, almost has my birthday, which gives him good, uh, you know, good vibes with me. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a curious one for sure. And one that I'm not, I'm not discounting whatsoever. And, and it's funny too. All I can think about when I'm thinking about Ruslan Ishikov, I think it was his freshman year when he took that huge hit at UConn that, that, uh, that he was concussed. That's all I can think about. I'm like, Ooh, welcome. Welcome to college hockey. Welcome to playing with some men. And I, and I, and as soon as I just resonate back to that every single time, I'm like, Oh, bro, mm-hmm. I just not sure he's got the body. He can go ahead and do something like that. I'm just not sure. You never know. Yeah. I just want to say I was so excited when I found out Will was going to be on the show today, but now I'm totally depressed. Oh. Talk about our prospects. Honestly. Oh, well, <laughs> and I think that's no, but you know what? That's okay. You can be the wet blanket on the exciting, fun, grumpy old man train. Don't hey, you worry about it. Will. You got, you got, you got yourself a potential like top 15 pick at the 52nd pick this year. That's nice. It's not a certainty, but it's possible. Uh, and look, I mean, the Islanders, like in terms of how they've actually drafted, I mean, it hasn't been, it's okay. I'm just looking now. It's, it's pretty been bad. bad. It's, it's been, been pretty bad. bad, but yeah. it's, you know, like they, I like, this. I like to think, I think it's been bad, 
But when somebody who's an expert at it, like you are, agrees with me, I'm like, oh boy, I hate being right all the time. That's what something is. I hate being right all the time. I do think it's been better recently. I think it's improving. Like taking a chance on Ishkakov as the fourth guy off your board, fine. That's pretty cool. Bodie Wild at 41, you could end up with something better than the average 41st overall pick. Noah Dobson at 12, it's a, that was a joke. I couldn't believe that he was available that late. Um, you know, I actually kind of like Blade Jenkins. He just started his pro career, and I actually kind of have him in my back pocket as a guy that I just kind of enjoy watching. Um, same thing with cool Cole. Same, he does have a really cool, cool name. name. Uh, and you know what? Like, the rest of the classes are all still like 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. And you never know. I, I like Dufour. I really like Cam Berg. Ratu is great. Lennox has quite a resume that, you know, people seem to really like him. Malinen can really skate. Uh, Matias Rajanyemi is a nice defense first kind of guy that might just be a bottom pair guy. But again, at 183rd overall, you get a bottom pair guy, you're doing okay. It's just that there's not a whole lot of like oomph. You know, there's not a whole lot of like, we're going to, this is our our future of our scoring talent. But I think there's a lot of really good auxiliary pieces where if you're Lou Lamarillo and you can flip an Atu Ratu, if he has a great year, you can flip him for something that can play in the NHL and help you get to a Stanley Cup final, then great. Um, and that sounds like something he would do because he's kind of done stuff like that before. Uh, so we'll see what happens, but it is, I mean, again, and it's also very, very difficult when you're a team that very rarely drafts in the first round uh, to be I mean, extraordinarily excited about their prospect pool. You know, teams like LA and Carolina and everything, they they constantly are drafting players and they just go for value because they go, well, it's just a draft. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, whatever. Um, but, you know, it's fine. It's okay, I guess. It hope, and hopefully okay. it keeps getting you better. You don't need to sugarcoat it. Because I don't sugarcoat anything on this podcast ever, uh, you know. I'm a Canadian. I'm just, I can't help it. <laughs> it's, that, that's all right. Um, but you know, like for me, I never, I never like giving up first round draft picks. I just, no, and I remember either. when, I remember when you know players weren't drafted until they were 20, and you know that extra two years it had a little bit more certainty when you came to the draft. When you're drafting kids who are 18, it's totally a crapshoot. Uh, but for me, you know what? I just have once again been vindicated in my assessment of the Islanders farm situation. Simon Casper Holmstrom is a flop. Like I knew he was going to be, he's a Josh Bailey 2.0 type, a uh, little perimeter Pete, somebody afraid to go in front of the net, afraid to shoot the puck. Ugh. I thank you so much. I certainly appreciate your insight. It's been great. <laughs> I mean, Josh Bailey had 35 points last year. That's pretty neat. Uh... Secondary assist, the king of the secondary assist. Hey. Even though he's not, Grumpy's still going to pump it like he is. <laughs> Josh Bailey sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Grumpy does no comment. Words. Grump does not mince words at all. Um, and yeah, Will, again, thank you so much for coming on. I want you to give you a chance there to kind of plug all of your social media, how to find you there before we start talking boring Islanders for you, because I don't want to drag you through that. Well, uh, you can start by following me on Twitter and YouTube. Both are at Scouching. Um, you can also find me on McKeensHockey.com. I am a contributor over there as well. Uh, if you like to financially support what I do, there's lots and lots of fun goodies you can get over on Patreon at patreon.com slash scouching, uh, all kinds of fun stuff you can check out over there. And that is about 
it unless I'm missing something. I mean, everything can also be found on my website, scouting.ca as well. So feel free to check it out. That's all a good start. And uh, thank you very much for having me. It was, a, it was a dandy old time. Well, thank you, Will. We do appreciate it. It means the world there to us. And I appreciate it there, Will, again. Um, been enlightening here, getting a little tune in there on the Islanders prospect situation here. And, uh, you know, our next our next favorite prospect, we're going to be keeping an eye on there, Atu Ratu. So thank you again so much, Will. And I just, Anytime. once again, I do, I highly recommend that uh, you, you do have YouTube, correct, Will? You have oh, yeah. Big okay. time. Okay. I highly recommend just going and looking out there because it's really good stuff. I mean, for me to say that, as people know, I don't. I don't look at a lot of people's stuff. I just don't. But I was really impressed by your stuff and just uh, fantastic, you. seriously fantastic job. And especially since you agree with what I do, it's even better. We'll, we'll see how that trend holds up, I think. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that holds up. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much again yeah. there, Will. Thanks. Best wishes, and we'll have you on again sometime soon. We really do appreciate you taking yeah. the time. Same. Thank you very much for having me. It was a great Thank time. You. For you. Thank you, Will. Yeah. Yeah, Grumpy. Um, I love That's good it. stuff. That's good stuff. He's really, he's really got good stuff. Hey, I, I really do. I recommend everybody checks that out. And again, his information and link is in the description below for the YouTube channel, for the website, as well as as well as their um, for his uh, his personal page there. So he's definitely got to go ahead and check out. We're gonna get to some comments again. No shock at all, ladies and gentlemen. It's all quiet on the Islanders front. That being said, rumors are swirling around that Casey Sezikis might have a contract on the table. Six years, two and a half million dollars a year. I know we had reported that, you know, that was our man with the inside hand coach, Tommy B. Had six the, the, mid, the midnight janitor, Coach Tommy B. They, uh, you know, maybe said five, three, five years, three and a half million per, but, uh, you know, six years, two and a half million per. As, as shocking as this may sound to you, Grumpy, uh, I actually kind of like that. I like it's that better than a five years, three and a half million. Yeah, so do I, because it's a million dollars a year. It all adds up. A million dollars um, less a year, yeah. I mean, for me, I get, I'd much rather have the less annual value, to be honest. Yeah, no, for certain, Grump. So you would be more excited then if we're looking at, you know, a six-year deal as opposed to a five-year deal. Like, and I'll say, this is not something I want to have him signed to a six-year deal, but we could say the likelihood of Casey maybe getting injured uh, increases. So, you know, you have that always that long-term injury there in play, not saying that's something you want to have to use there on him, but the likelihood of Casey playing until he's 35 years old or 36 years old, if he's got a six-year deal on the table is I think unlikely. Right. And I'd rather, you know, five years too long, six years is too long as well. Uh, but two and a half million dollars, it enables, it gives you a little bit more uh, financial leeway shall I say Michael M saying, have they pronounced Holla's name right yet? Yeah, no, <laughs> no we have not. <laughs> here's the thing. No, here's the thing. I knew how to pronounce his name, but you TJ mangles every freaking name he talks and he started infecting me with his disease. I knew his name was Howla. I knew it was. Uh, <laughs> as Scott L saying, great shirt, TJ. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. As grumpy wants to go ahead and drag it through the mud. But you know, button it up there's no top button i don't know which one to button there's nothing else like a button up here huh 
Uh, Michael M saying this ad is for Evander Kane. I'll tell you, we're going to be diving into Evander Kane tomorrow on our general sports podcast, which is in the description below. TJ and the grumpy old man. I don't see the description below. Grumpy comes to me. He said, TJ, I listened to our podcast for the first time ever on YouTube. I said, Oh, awesome, Grump. How was it? Did you did you like how you sounded? Because he likes try not to he tries not to listen to that. And he comes up and he says, I can't find you know our podcast or other podcast anywhere. It's nowhere below the video. I don't know how you get it. I said, Grump, you got to hit that drop down arrow, and that gives you the actual description. And that's how you find the podcast, Grump. And he's Uh, over here kind of just meandering about. I, I don't know if he uses I have to assume you don't use YouTube very often. I use it to listen to things when I walk sometimes. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh. Right now I'm listening to somebody read the the Godfather, the whole book. It's nice for my walk. Get, you know, an hour and 10 minutes of walk. I should be done in two weeks. Emmanuel, I apologize. This is an earlier on comment. I said if you had one, if it pick one forward and one defenseman there for the Islander system who hasn't played any games in the NHL for opening night, who would you choose? Just kind of based off of what he had said, I, I know he's very high there on Bodie Wild and Atu Ratu. So I don't think they're NHL ready. If I'm thinking most NHL ready defensemen, it's got to be Bulldog there. It was kind of weird to hear him kind of, you know, not as bullish as we are about, about Samuel Bulldog. And here's the thing it might be because we are Islander fans, which is why we're much more, uh, uh, much more um, uh, strong on him. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I think it is. It's nice to have an outside voice. It really is to snap you into shape. As great as we think the Islanders farm system is defensively, he didn't seem to think so. That I was about to say, that was something that really shocked me. And, you know, he said, hey, I like I like Robin Sala, but he's been inconsistent. And he's a guy who, you know, might be able to contribute maybe at a level. I've always have been very high on, on Robin Sala, expecting him. Maybe that's a guy who's a, a tweener. Maybe he's, you know, going to be penciled in. Best case scenario, a guy who might be able to squiggle his way into a top four if the injuries are happening. But a guy who's maybe a top six defense, but didn't necessarily get those type of vibes um, when we were talking there to Will. If you look at all of our defensemen, though, right? They're all pretty big. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't play a whole lot of small defensemen. Well, Robin Sal is not small. What uh, was he? Five eleven. Oh, Robin Sal is like six foot something. Okay, I thought he was small than that. My bad. No, but a guy, a guy who is kind of been up. He's six foot. He's six foot even is what they have listed at. So you know, you never know when the list at six foot might be five eleven. Who knows? But it, they have them around six foot. Uh, Rusty Spooner there saying, "I know it wasn't your fault, Grumpy. That the show was late. Shaking my head, TJ. It was not. It was TJ's fault. And you know, here's the thing. TJ said, "I want you ready seven thirty today. I'm going to send you a link at seven thirty today because we want to get on the right page before we get on." I'm like, okay. So here it is, seven thirty. 735, 745, 755. I'm like, oh, there it is. I said, let me go to the bathroom quickly before uh, you know, the podcast starts. And there's TJ ring on the cell phone. Oh, you ready to get on? You ready to get? I said, I'm trying to go to the bathroom. I'll be on Tuesday. Well, we got to get on. We got to. I'm like, dude, you said you were gonna call me at 730. Here it is. Three minutes to eight. I told you I just got to go to the bathroom real quick and then I'll get on. But yes, TJ was the reason why the podcast was late. As usual, 
Oh, goodness. Michael M. also said, wow, you guys finally brought someone on who has some hair. I was about to say, besides Kim there, Isles Girl 3, this is this is the first person I think we brought on that does have substantial hair. That and Rich Ballon, but that was a while ago. We got to get Rich, Rich Ballon back on uh, the podcast again. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, this is one of our non-phonically challenged friends. Very true. You know, and it's easy for Michael to say, look at it, look at the picture of his hair in there. You know, he's showing it off a little bit. I understand. It's all right. Take a shot Taco, at us. That's fine. Taco Fall said, Grump, I hope you're not in a slump. You like it? Actually, I'm not in a slump. He said he hopes you're not in a slump. I'm not in a slump. saying you like it? Do I like what? If you liked what he said, I, I, I don't know, Grump. I, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not in a slump. I think last time I was a little bit distracted, and I did want to apologize. Actually, there was someone who, what was his name, TJ? Brandon yeah. Frey. Grumpy. Brandon Frey and TJ said I was a little short with him on the phone call. And I apologize, Brandon, if you still listen, if you don't, well, I'm still apologized anyway, because I'm just that type of guy. But if you are listening, I just want to apologize if I, if I was short with you. And I Look do apologize. You. Are you, are you about to go on an apology to a grump? Look at this. Who would figure the grumpy old man would ever show apologies? Well, I, that, no, that's all right. If I, if I was, I don't try to treat anyone poorly. I really don't try to, except for you. I was about to say you've got to. You gotta stay on your you gotta stay on your game, Grump. Uh Adrian B there saying, Hi TJ and Grumpy old man. How are you guys doing today? Yo, Adrian. That's it. Just she just gets a yo Adrian today. What? I, I, yo, I, yo, I, I, yeah, yo Adrian. I, I usually I say yo Adrian, we did it, but I was trying to think of something else that yo, it's me, Rocky. <laughs> So, so you tried to change it up there. I was later. trying to change it up. I was going to tell the Rocky joke, you know, or, you know, how he names his turtle, you know, Shelly, oh, Cuff and Link, you know. Mrs. Bailey comments in, well, hello there, gentlemen. If there isn't the handsome TJ and if, if Miss if, Grump, if, if, <laughs> boy, do I have a bone to pick with you two. Oh, and then she it. says, it's it is I, Mrs. Bailey, mother of Josh. <laughs> and I deplore how the both of you, especially you, Grump, use my son use my son as a lightning rod for your insults and criticism. Well, mom, I hate to tell you, I'm sorry that you feel that your son doesn't deserve that criticism, but he does. And she says, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see you suit up and do what my little Joshy Poo does, you mean grumpy bastard. I could hang on to the side of the boards like he does too. Oh, come on. I could not cover the man going skating from the bench to the offensive zone to give up the winning goal in game seven. I could do that too. <laughs> I could do a lot of those things that he does poorly. Oh. And then Brian P. said, what's up, fellas? Hey, Grump, did TJ bring in some help to compete with you? No, this is, uh, they line with Grumpy. Mm -mm. Hey, all I have to say, uh, and I like Will, we're two totally different people. And I, I like him because he brings something, he brought something different to the show today, honestly. So I really enjoyed him today. But no, no competition today. <laughs> there was no this there's no way all is all is uh all is friendly in love and war uh michael m said tj you have more hair on your chest than you do on your head oh man oh man michael m bringing out bringing it out here 
Um, we thought I thought I was we were kind of done with the hair stuff, but no. Once again, it's like herpes; it just keeps coming back. <laughs> uh, Grumpy. I I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Azaria. Azaria. Azaria P. There says now that the Islanders are expect. Holy crap! I forgot to mention it. The Islanders are expected to sign Travis Zajac back. I mentioned that on the last podcast. I heard it was coming. Are we also going to bring back Aaron Gomez, uh, Gomez, Elias, Danico, Stevens, and other retired Devils as well? I, I, you know what? I just throw up my hands in disgust, honestly. What does it mean? It means that somebody else is going to sit. Or I, don't, I don't think he'll start. I have to say that. But I'm going to bet she's like the 13th forward, right? Somebody gets hurt. He's coming in. How many of those guys do you need? God, How many Leo Komarovs do you need? We do not need Travis Ajak. I'm not sure why we signed him. I just have to assume the utility and the use we'd get out of him at this point and his faded old career is going to be minimal. Uh, he didn't do much there for us besides maybe serve as a guy who could spot you a game on the bottom six. But call me crazy if an injury happens. I'd love to see what one of our young guys could do there on a bottom six role. And, uh, you know, this also cements that Otto Koivla, just if you can get rid of him, trade him because he's got no future here. He's going to be a Bridgeport guy forever. I would try to leave if any way, shape, or form. I, I try to be traded. I mean, you, you kind of see the writing on the wall. All four centers are going to be re-signed back, and now you've got your guy here as your replacement or as a uh, as a, uh, a seventh, you know, a set or a what do they use that term as? Uh, a healthy scratch there that's going to be able to fill in that center role as well. And Travis Ajak, Otto Coyle is never getting a shot. I was going to mention, you said what else he brought to the Islanders. He put uh, Oliver Wallstrom on the bench as a healthy scratch in the playoffs. That's what he did. Yeah, well, maybe this maybe this will give us a chance to start Otto, Oliver Wallstrom there in Bridgeport. I, you know, I just for me, it's just frustrating because all of our forward spots are filled right now. They're all filled. If you want to get a Tarasenko, you're going to have to trade one of the forwards. Which I think they're going to. I think if they get a Tarasenko, they're trading Josh Bailey. I can only hope. I can only hope and pray. Emmanuel R. saying, do you think the new assistants in Bridgeport are there to be the eventual replacement for Brent Thompson? From the Devils. They brought over an assistant from the Devils. I just, I mean, what is this, Devils North? I mean, I don't know. The Devils haven't won anything since, what, 2003? I mean, they picked first more often than they've uh, made the playoffs, I think. Rusty Spooner said, selfish, TJ. Never showing Grumpy any promotion. Love is unreal. Carte Blanc, TJ. Get him, Grumpy. Carte Blanc. Oh. That's what I said. That's what I said. Come on now. <sighs> um, man, oh, man. I'll tell you. It was it was good to have him on there, and again, uh, Jim P. There said he had uh, Ratu pretty high in his rankings there, um, talking about um, talking about Will for certain he did. Yeah, uh, and I was impressed honestly what I saw of him, and you know he breaks it down really good. He has a lot of highlights, not just like the thirty second highlight clip. I mean, quite a bit, and it was it was really enjoyable to watch. I, and like I said, if you ever get a chance, I would definitely. Michael T said, Good evening, guys. Mr. TJ, Grumpy Carmine Falcone. Uh, so what do we think of the supposed Casey Sezikis two and a half million per for six years? Why not give him 10 years? Why not give him 10 years? It's better than the five year deal that we heard that was rumored. 
maybe we should sign him to a 15-year deal. We've done that before. Maybe we could sign him to 15 and we'll just give him like, what, maybe like uh, $2 million a year so we can cut down what we're giving him? Just ridiculous. But seriously, though, on a serious note. Okay, seriously? Again, why do you have to sign him for six years? He's 30 years old and he's injury prone. Howla would have been the guy to sign. That would have been the guy. Two years, 2.375 a year. Better player. Does the same thing. But you want to oversign this guy. It's just, it's just once again, we're back on that wheel, right? That little, that little mouse wheel or gerbil wheel. You just keep on chasing after your tail all the time, salary cap-wise. This is why you keep making these deals. Wait till you see the Palmieri deal. That's going to be a real winner, too, I'm sure. Oh, goodness gracious there. Um, Miss Bailey also is saying, I'm tired of you comparing my son to Spackle. You put in cracked drywall and didn't even have the tool to smooth it out, calling him a perimeter Pete. He's not below average. That's you, Grum. First of all, she's, this is how she said it. And I'm glad she admits his name is Spackle. She says, I'm tired of you comparing my son Spackle. Mm. You put on a crack. See, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, Toby O'Connor said, how about those Islanders signings? It doesn't bother me because, I mean, everyone knows that they've signed. We've done nothing outside of the organization. Shocker, shocker. Will we? I hope so. That's all I have to say. I hope we do. I will, I will also tell you this. I know some Islander fans on social media are starting to get a little antsy. I'm not worried yet. I think the longer it goes, the it's either the better or just the worse that it'll be. I mean, there's no in-between. Because <laughs> if we go all the way and we don't sign anybody but our own guys back, well, then we've weakened our team, honestly. The team's weaker than last year. I think we are going to make a move. I still think we're the favorites. I still think it's in the cards. I still think Tarasenko is penciled in here for us. I'm not worried. Islander fans on Twitter, Islander fans on Facebook who are who are, are freaking out, no need to worry. And I'm not. I don't think Grump's either worried here too. And he's the ultimate realist on this show. I'm concerned. Here's my latest concern: since we don't have a second pairing left-handed defenseman, what if we make a trade? And go for that as opposed to a scoring winger. Then, then it's a real failure for the offseason. You, you really think we, I, do, we I, do need a second pairing left-handed defenseman? We do. Yeah, it's not going to be Andy Green. And Ryan Murray was recently just picked up there by the Colorado Avalanche. There on a one-year, two million dollar deal. I tell isn't you that, that. Isn't that exactly what we wanted? Isn't wasn't would that have been perfect for us? I think it would have because it gives your guy, well, who knows? With Will on the podcast, now I'm not thinking maybe Boulder could step up there the year after. Who knows? I, I thought he, I, I, I've been all high on him, but maybe, maybe, maybe it's, I've, I've got my Islanders, uh, blue and orange rose colored glasses on when I look at Samuel Bulldog. And maybe that's why I project him to be, you know, on the fast track there to the NHL. I always say prospects are prospects until they're not anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't count them as being stars. I just never did. Uh, Michael T. There saying, do you think there's a bidding war between the Islanders, Rangers, and Devils for Tarasenko? If there is, we will lose that. That much I can guarantee we will not win that. Really? Yeah. I mean, who would you rather play for? If you're a goal scorer, who would you rather play for? Who's the last team you'd want to play for if you're a goal scorer? The Islanders. 
you want to go to the Rangers first. I'm just talking about what we would be willing to give up. I think we would be all in on Tarasenko. I think we would overpay. Let's say that, you know, hypothetically, there is a bidding war between three teams and they have a price. I I would say that uh, it's they're they're waiting for it to increase. They're not happy with what's being offered by the three teams. And I think those three teams hypothetically are standing pat. So I don't I don't foresee us having to give up too, too much. But I think there's if they're. If we do not come away with Tarasenko or a big fish here this offseason, I do agree. It was it was a wasteful offseason for us, for yeah. a team that's window is finite. See, that's my whole point. It's like you know you have to improve, and you do nothing to improve year after year. I mean, to me, that's the frustrating part, honestly. Oh, Brock Nelson in the chat as well, Grumpy, saying, I take offense to this grumpy fella mispronouncing my name. His name is Croc. It's not my fault that he doesn't know how to pronounce his own name. Oh, man, oh, man. Um, <laughs> uh, moving right along there. Um, uh, Michael T. also saying R2-D2 will be a top six forward for the Islanders. It's uh, Ratu, I have to think. Yes, Ratu Ratu. Okay. Uh, so he's got R2-D2. Uh, Brian J. coming up with a philosophical question. Teacher Grumpy, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Egg. The egg came first. Really? The egg yeah. came first? I gave that some real thought. <laughs> I, I will let I will let you I will let you have it there. And then uh, Brian P. said, don't worry, everybody. Lou is bringing back our big ticket item, Travis Ajak. And Brian J. is saying, hey, got our top line sniper, Zajak. How sad is it? I mean, just again, let's see. Let's see how many old grinders we could throw into the mix, throw into the, the old cement mixer. Who cares? Yeah, uh, Michael T said. Yeah, also here when we sign back Zajac. Gotta believe it's a depth uh, quote Bridgeport signing, as all teams this season will need to have a lot of depth. There's no way he's going to Bridgeport. No way. As I say, he he will be a healthy scratch. He will be up with. There's no way he's going to Bridgeport. I do agree. He's not gonna. I, I don't think he would be down for that. I don't think there's any way that he goes to Bridgeport. Yeah, he might be a healthy scratch most nights until there's an injury. But to me, he's the first. What does it say? It's bad news for Kiefer Bellows. Bad news for Otto Koivula. It means you're not playing, fellas. Why not move them? If you have no interest in promoting your younger players, move them. Other teams would. Other teams appreciate players who can score, put the puck in the net. It's an admirable trade in a hockey player, you would think. I apologize, Scott. I didn't see this as, as I was rifling through 100 comments, hundreds of comments there for Will. Uh, we missed this one. Is there a player that you rated as a top prospect when it didn't pan out in the NHL? Uh, do you say, okay, I got that wrong? That's a good question. That's I, a really good question. I, based off the conversation we had with them, I assume you'd say, hey, you know, maybe I've missed the boat on this one a little bit. You know, some people like to move the goalpost. Oh, well, I didn't say that. Actually, I meant that uh, player. He was doesn't strike me as that type of person. I was about to say, he doesn't strike me as that type of guy either. So that's just me juxtaposing my opinion on the brief conversation we had with him. <laughs> Big word, juxtaposing. Uh, Michael T said, what are the chances Lou is going after Johnny Goudreau? or at least kicking the tires on that. I don't want Johnny Goudreau. And it's not because he's not talented. He's gone. He's a free agent after this year, unless you give up nothing for him, uh, because he will not re-sign back. They say he's earmarked for Philadelphia next year. That That's what I'm hearing. Philly? 
Philadelphia. Filthy Delphia. Oh, my gosh. Hey, the teams around us <laughs> be looking like they're getting better and better. Hey, again, that those are all rumors. That's next year, right? That's next year, though. Yeah, for certain it is. Uh, Rusty Spooner said, we need young, tough, smart, and good hands and physically aggressive players coming to help out our nursing home. Let's go, Islanders. Yeah, that's what we need. But that's all they're there for. Just carry the load. Just get them on the ice. Shove them out there with their walkers. And then sit back down in the bank or in the, the little luxury box with Oliver Wallstrom eating popcorn in the playoffs. Bruce K there saying, TJ, looks like you're going to the beach. Hey, I'd, I'd wear this at the beach. It's a little tight on me. So, I mean, like I wouldn't be running around too much in it, but uh, I'd wear this to the beach. What size uh, is that? I don't even know. I just threw it on. Um, I haven't looked at the size. It's it's a little, it's a little small, though, Grump. Um, and asking TJ, get grumpy a towel, a beach towel, and a beach ball. Oh, and uh, we got a few comments here about our friend there, Simon Holmstrom. There, I'm glad we finally got someone who is a little bit more, uh, more well versed about NHL prospects than, than you and I, just the common NHL fan here. Again, we could have spotted that from a mile away, and I'm glad to see that we were, you know, we're vindicated. We're vindicated, Grump. We've always said, I've always been a Rafael Laval fan. I, I even think he would have been a better pick there than Simon Holmstrom at that slot. Yeah, I'm a Phil, I was a Phil Tomasino guy, McMichael and Kaliev, the three amigos, as D-Cut would say, uh, all of them over Casper. He's, he's, he's not going to make it. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Rusty, Rusty Spooner there said, we need a young Pavel Datsuk and unleash our Wallstrom. FML drives me loco. You're awesome. Grumpy and TJ. I uh, don't know who this Will guy is, but he seems cool. Let's go Islanders and get our cups. Yeah. I just, I mean, wouldn't you love to have, I, you know, I was thinking, do you, I, it's funny he mentioned Pavel Datsuk. I was thinking, do you think if Pavel Datsuk was available, we would have drafted him? No freaking way. No way. Just doesn't fit. He's creative. He scores goals. He does play a two-way game, but he's not big off the draft board. Sorry. And I will tell you, I am so happy um, that Will had a chance to explain why Dylan Duke continued to slip and fall and why he was not as, as gung-ho on him as others were because he's a smaller guy who played that physical style and it's not going to, it might not translate being a five foot nine center. Yeah. My whole thing is that in today's NHL, you can get away with that skill set though. They don't let you get away with hammering guys in front of the crease as much. They just don't. So guys like that could really do well. I mean, I, and you know, to me, it's not the height. It's how much does he weigh? You know, how big is his butt? and his thighs that's that's the most important thing he's got to have that leg strength of being down well now if he's you know five nine 165 playing that style that's not going to work uh burst there said holmstrom is young still he's a project uh new assistant coach in bridgeport got uh they will work closely there with him if bridgeport doesn't win this year uh this guy will be the new head coach according to chris lou's son bye bye brent thompson that's all it says <laughs> I'm shocked he's still here. I'm always shocked he's been here forever. Uh, doesn't win, doesn't produce as much as you'd like there. Again, he's given sometimes limited players to work with. Um, but uh, Fredo, Fredo was giving him a warning, though. <laughs> he's not going to whack him without a warning. 
Uh, Eli there says, if you could take one player from Tampa, Vegas, and Montreal, the final four teams there, um, or three of the final four teams, which players would you pick without having to worry about cap space, Grump? I'll let you give your list here, and I've got mine here. Oh, gosh. Oh, you already have a list? I can, I can rattle off a few names for certain of who I'd pick. On Tampa, I don't. it's not even a question for me. It's Victor Hedman. If, if cap doesn't matter, that's the player I'd want. I'd want Victor Hedman off of Tampa. I know you're probably going to say Kucherov. I would say Victor Hedman. I was going to say Braden Point because he's younger and he's clutch. He's super. Bra- so you okay? What well, Braden Point over Kucherov? Yeah, but here's the thing: I'm picking offensive players all the way, all the way. Vegas, Vegas, I'd go Mark Stone. Yeah, Mark Stone, perfect fit for us. And for Montreal, I'm going with uh, Suzuki. I'm going to change this up. I'll go with Cole Caulfield. Little guy Cole Caulfield, um, <laughs> uh, but moving moving right along there. Um, ooh, we, got, we got a lot of comments there about Simon Holmstrom. I guess that uh, <laughs> that happened to stir the button, hit the button. Oh man, oh, man, that happened. I mean, none of them are flattering except for brush. Oh, st- stuff, stuff, stuff. Uh, Michael T there said, "Hey, Grumpy, when's the last time you spoke with an actual NHL general manager? Since you consider yourself of that caliber, just curious." Here's the thing. I cut one off tonight to make sure I was on the podcast. That is true because we did get a call from our friend Lou Lamarillo. We had to say, man, we're performing. You know, on Saturday, sure, we could take a call like that. But Wednesday, not in the cards. Um, Oh, Grumpy, this name. I forget his name all the time. Isn't his name Daniel or Nick? Daniel, maybe. Guys, I really feel like we need to start Sebastian Ajo next season. His stats are really good in the AHL. He provides offense like we need, and he'll grow on defense there in the trot system. I think he should get a shot, too. I don't think he will. He's a smaller defenseman, and he's more of a puck mover type. Unfortunately, that's not what, that's not what we like. But I, I've always liked Ajo. I didn't think he ever looked out of place whenever he was there. I thought he was fine enough defensively, certainly better than Hickey. Could you imagine trying to slither Hickey back in the lineup this year if they don't get another left-handed defenseman? How would you like that? I'd much rather have Ajo. One thing, too, to remember about Ajo, he did get a few games up here this year uh, in a pinch, but it's funny, right? Will even mentioned it back when he had that baptism by fire under the Doug Waite system. Man, oh, man. I mean, it was, it was, it was hard to watch. But he has, I think, grown down there in Bridgeport, and I'd be interested to see what he has to offer. I would not feel comfortable saying you're going to play top four minutes if you want to slowly ease him in on a bottom-pairing defenseman and you've got somebody else, you go ahead and bring in another veteran, but you want to slowly ease him in as you want to give guys time and rest because this is going to be a, this is going to be a season to where we're going to play, be playing a lot of games in a short amount of time period. I have no problem at all with that. And you kind of slowly see, all right, what he has. Because remember, he's on a one-way contract this year. Technically be, can be claimed if you go ahead and uh, sit him down there to Bridgeport. And for me, he'd be a good fit with Scott Mayfield. Mayfield was at his best. I'm excluding the playoffs last year. Uh, when he was playing with Devon Taves, another puck-moving defenseman. Uh, that's the weakest part of Scott Mayfield's game. And but if you team him with a good puck mover, I think he's really good. Absolutely, there, Grump. And moving right along there, um, he said he hadn't struggled there to find his game in the NHL, hasn't really gotten a shot his first year in the NHL. Um, then 
they let him play for two or three games. He put up two points. It's ridiculous. Um, oh, he said it makes me actually hate Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo. Well, I'm not I, sure that I'm not sure I'm on that side just quite yet, but yeah, but the whole thing is I just wish they would give the young guys a chance. It's like they just won't give them a chance, and that's frustrating. You don't know what you have until it's too late, like with Devontae, right? I mean, you should have known and there's no way he should have been allowed to leave. You should have known what his value was the year before. I just it's just frustrating. That's all. Well, I know he had the shoulder injury the year before, but that's just not a guy you should have let escape. And I feel he was let go because he was younger and he wasn't the type of defenseman that they like. Michael T there traveling in saying, is Lou ready to throw one of our top defensive prospects, Bulldog, Wild, et cetera, into Letty's spot? I think Wild is is not ready. He's at least two years away, at least. And, um, you know, Bulldog, I thought maybe was one year away, maybe one, possibly two years away is what that looks like. Yeah, I was hoping Bulldog maybe could step in. But I have to think if it's going to be someone within the organization, doesn't it have to be Ajo, really? He's been, you know, he's the guy who's been the seventh defenseman now for a while. Just, I just hope it's not Hickey. That's all I have to say. I just don't want it to be Hickey. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if Thomas Hickey was the seventh defenseman. Yeah, I, it can't be. I, what if he was the sixth defenseman? What if he's a regular? That's what I'm saying. I just <laughs> can't no be him. Come on, don't even entertain it. That's that. That's okay. be the case. Uh, Brian G. There said Wally will play on the team. He's earned it. True, he has earned it uh, for certain. Again, I don't anticipate he'll be down there in Bridgeport. Some people are rumoring he is. I just can't see it. Um, and then Rusty Spooner was saying you can't deny Wallstrom will. He's a playmaker. Also uh, makes his teammates rise up and play better as well. Thought uh, you'd be able to. Uh, oh, 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 man! Oh, man! Rusty, 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 friendly. Come on uh, now. Uh, yeah. Alexander yeah. was saying Ishikov is at best a third line center. He's yeah, he's small, uh, but you know, as opposed to you know Wallstrom. I felt I used to feel like that's all that Wallstrom was too was a shot, uh, but it's changed. He's not afraid to mix it up. He comes back and he helps out defensively. Uh, he's turned into a much better player in a shorter amount of time than I thought he was capable. And Bruce King's also saying there. Hopefully, the Islanders will sign back Ben Marigas and then Logan Cockrell to pro contracts. They're never going to play with the big team. Cock- Cockrell will be a guy who can be a good bottom six, bottom six forward. I do believe that. What is he going to play? Would you resign and everybody four years from Martin, six years for Zizekas? Wait till Casey, wait till uh, Cutterbuck's contract up. How many do you think he'll get? Seven, eight years? How many years? <laughs> He's only I, 34. I, the only positive I could say about Zizekas signing a six year deal is at least he's willing to take a pay cut. If that is the case, again, that was rumored. Everybody might be wondering how you flip flop and you said Tommy B. Said, you know, you know, five years, three and a half million per. This was mentioned on Elliot Freeman's podcast. He said that was one of the offers or one of the rumors he heard swirling around was Casey Zizekas also has an offer of six years, 2.5 million per. At least if that's the case, he's willing to take a pay cut. And even if you had to, I, I don't recommend you have to buy that out. But even if you have to eat a contract at two and a half million per, that is much, I think it's much easier to do than three and a half million. I mean, three and a half million start to get uncomfortable, two and a half million. Do you even hear what you're saying? I do. 
Let's know it sounds ludicrous. I know it sounds ludicrous, but yes, I do hear what I'm saying. Right. Sign him to a contract because, you know, hey, we can eat the last couple of years. You know what? You know how you stop that? You don't sign him to a contract where you have to eat years. That's another option. You know, it's fair to just do that. Say, you know what? Yeah, you've been a valued soldier. We love you. We're not signing you for five or six years. Sorry. You're a fourth line grinder who's hurt. Uh, uh, Scott L also said that's because Lou trades all of his first round picks for 38 year old players. Not true. He was 37. <laughs> uh, Rusty Spooner said Josh Bailey is like crackheads using cover up. Uh, you, st- you still see it all the way to yourself. What the F is going on here? <laughs> oh man, a man talking about the spackle. Um, with a trowel. Eli said, how much would everybody pay to see Josh Bailey come onto the show with Grumpy? I don't think Grumpy doesn't dislike Josh as a guy. just doesn't like him as a player. I don't. I just think that he's overvalued. It's actually the fans who make me, like the fans who think that he's great. It just drives me crazy. I'm like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? So it's more more the the infatuation of the fans that piss you off. It's not necessarily the play he has on the ice. It's the infatuation that some sects of the fan group have when they call him an elite winger. Who calls him an elite winger? His mom didn't even call him that. She's been on the podcast today. Did she say her son was elite? No. She (laughs) didn't even say it. She didn't even – his mom didn't even call him elite. Josh Bailey's mom on the podcast today – did not call her son as a leader. And that was her that was his mom a hundred percent confirmed. That's what it said, Mrs. Bailey. And I don't think it was George Bailey. I mean, I think it was Josh. And <laughs> George you know, Bailey there from uh it's a uh, wonderful life, right? That's right. You know, all she said was that perhaps he was above average, and she put that in quotes. So I don't even think she thinks that. She probably just thinks he's a ham and egg or just like I do a jack. Oh, if he was playing on the third line, making $3 million a year, I'd have no problem with Josh Bailey. Brian P. They're saying, well done, Will. Also giving Will the credit he deserves. That's, uh, and then uh, get eated said six years is way too much for Sezekis. We were saying five years was way too much. Now it's six. What's it going to be next week? Seven? Eight? Seven years. Eight years is way too many years there for Casey. You know, it just gets better. The longer it goes, the longer his contract is going to be rumored to be. Reminds me of that movie, The Best of Times, with Kurt Russell and Robin Williams, where Kurt Russell was throwing the touchdown passes against Portersville. And they said, yeah, remember the time I threw six touchdown passes? And he's like, you realize it was only three. He's like, the guy goes, oh, no, it was seven. He's like, hey, I like it. I get better with age. Maybe next year it'll be eight. That's what it's going to be like with Casey Zizekas contract years. Oh, goodness gracious there. And Brian P. saying, 100%, I will throw up if Wally is in Bridgeport next season. That, I, I, you're going to find a lot of pissed off Islanders fans of that. Bruce K. said, I'll get the bucket ready. I hate to say it. That was funny from Brush. That was funny. Mike, like Michael N said, if Leo plays another game as an Islander, I'm kidnapping Chris Lamarillo. You know what? All you're going to do is find him slumped in his chair like the other Fredo. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dumb. I'm smart. I'm not dumb like people say. And I deserve respect. Don't you know that's Fredo Corleone? Just uh, Scott L said, I know a player um, has the right to arbitration. With Pelic choosing arbitration, that's not good for him to get on Lou's bad side. Too bad. Too bad. That's his right. 
if they were close in contract negotiations. And here's the thing, it still could get signed before it goes to arbitration. It's never a good thing. When you have to go in there and rip a player for something, I mean, I know if I was a player, that would bother me. If you were coming up, you know, because here's the thing, Pelic's a good soldier, right? Everyone agrees that. Pelic's an excellent soldier who sacrifices his his style to say, I will I will be a hundred percent defensive oriented and focused. And I will not again, offense isn't one of his strong suits, but I will subvert any type of offense I could maybe put forward into playing a hundred percent defense. He's the type of defenseman every team wants to have. Is he worth seven million dollars a year? No freaking way. No way. He's I, I think you'd be crazy to think he's not gonna at least make six, maybe six and a half. Oh, man, that's a lot. That's a lot for a defensive defenseman. That's a lot. It how many really times do we have to listen to every single broadcast tell uh, rave about how excellent he is? And again, he is excellent, but I think that that you want to say what justifies it? Yeah, okay. His, well, his play on the ice, but I'll be interested to see how that goes. It, you're right. We have seen a lot of times players say we're going to arbitration, but uh, they'll get a deal signed right before the actual arbitration hearing. So this is not out of the ordinary. Arbitration is not something you'd like, though. All I can think about is the old Milbury days of arbitration and the stories we heard through that. Making Tommy Sallow cry. Oh. Yeah, great job, Milbury. Mm. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Eli said, the new TJ variant targets key brain cells and kills them, unlike many other targets, <laughs> the lungs and heart. Are you? Wow. Oh. Wow. Coming in hot on you, boy. This is, this, is, this is you saying that I've infected you. And Eddie Smith said, Grumpy has the TJ variant. What the? Very true. Very true. Uh, because you can't pronounce a name to save your life. Oh, my God. Okay. You know, Grumpy, you're the one who screws up names, Butch Gordon. I don't want to hear shit. Vladimir, you're the one screwing up Vladimir, names, Grumpy. TJ used to call Vladimir Tarasenko Transchenko. Hold on. That's what oh, I hold on. Hold on. It's the big show. I said it once. I said it once, and this is before. I, okay, when I said that too, this was 2012, 2013. Again, before he even played an NHL game, I believe this was. And Grumpy over here still uses that as a sorry ass excuse as to why that's the case. I don't want to. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Grumpy. It's a running joke in my house, just to let you know. I don't care if it's Transchenko. Is a running joke in this I don't house. care if it's a running joke on in your in your house, Grumpy. I will tell you this. You can't pronounce the guy's name. There's no, like excuse, like there's no excuse not to be able to pronounce it. Tarasenko there, Butchie Goring. I like it how they're calling you the TJ variant, like you're a disease. I love it. Michael M said, TJ, you need a regular sports podcast on Spotify. We're working on it. We're working on it there with the guys who do who handle our stuff here now. So we can get that on. on. Oh, yeah, we will that will happen. Is it it right? will happen. Yeah. Uh, speaking about other things that will happen, we're in the process there with the shirts. People ask me on Twitter. We're still in the process of getting that completed. It's so easy. It's so easy. I, I, I needed to make sure we got all of our guest spots filled here for the summer. That was something we need to spend some time on. So we, we've been slowly getting everything done there. Um, Alexander said, this guy told me the reason why they signed Casey Zizekas to a six-year contract is because the AAV, the average there, um, would have been more. So the six saves the Islanders there some money every year. It's true. It does. It does. If you add up the years, it's more for the three and a half for five than it is 2.5 for six. Michael T said, six years isn't bad and two and a half million is very good. I will agree that two and a half million is very good. The six years is atrocious. That's awful. It's bad. It's bad. 
can any Islander fan tell me seriously? Islander fans, take a poll. Take a poll out here. Can Islander fans tell me that they think Casey Zizekas, at the age of thirty, with an injury-riddled past, is going to be playing till he's thirty-six years old? It's like signing Anders Lee to a seven-year deal at twenty-nine for seven million per. How's that going? How's that one going to age? That's going to rot on the vine. Mm, just like that. Just like that old style of wine, Grumpy. I wish yeah. I knew what type of wine it was. I don't know anything about wine. I don't drink wine. Uh, um, and Mario there said, Bulldog is getting such a push because he was drafted by Lamarillo. I firmly believe that. I absolutely believe they're going to push the guys that they draft at the expense of guys that Garth Snow drafted. I firmly believe that. I hope that's not the case because then I bought hook, line, and sinker that. I, I It was interesting to hear Will not be, again, I'll say it again, as as in love and infatuated with Samuel Bullduck as our defensive prospect. I, if, if you would have asked me to take a poll, who I thought was our most NHL ready, who was going to be probably the most successful, I would have said Bullduck before this conversation here today. I've been, I've, I've been in love there with him. Everything I hear, everything I read about him, all the highlights I see popped up all over Bridgeport. I've been in love there with him. And to see that kind of change is not with fun. The highlights, with the highlights they put on, maybe they put up Coco, the service dog. Uh, put no. him or make him a left-handed defenseman. Oh, stop, stop, stop. He's getting a lot of run. Hey, they had a recent video of him playing with a whole bunch of other dogs, a whole bunch of other puppies. And I'm like, oh, you read the comments too on Twitter. People are like, this is cute and all. I like Tori the service dog, but where the hell is the Islanders news? Isn't his name Coco? See, I was ahead of my time. It's I mentioned it. All of a sudden, now it's hot. Now it's now it's going viral. Who was the first one who mentioned about Coco? Me. That's a oh, stop. Uh, Rusty Spooner said, Hey, Grumpy, TJ's dressed like a 70s, 80 Miami Coke dealer. Oh, yeah. Where's the white Ferrari at, TJ? Yeah, that's right. Cool. You must miss the Miami Vice, the TJ variant. They'll call it Miami Vice. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, man. Oh, man. That was a huge. You ever heard of Miami Vice? I've never watched Miami Vice, but I've heard of Miami Vice. Do you know any of the stars in it? Do you know any of the names of the guys? Um, No. A Starsky and Hutch? I don't know. Are they yeah. the same character? I don't know. <laughs> no, don't Starsky know. and Hutch was Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> that was 70s. Um, and they drove the, gosh, I think it was the Red Charger. I don't know. I think it was a Red Charger they drove. It was a long time ago. But Crockett and Tubbs, Don Johnson, uh, Philip Thomas. Gosh, I forgot his last name. They had a three-name guy, and they were like the cool guys. But they did. They wore shirts like that, Nine Islander shirts. But, uh, yeah, that was a Friday night show on NBC. And then Michael T. said, I met Richie Pilon at oh at a booby bar in Long Island. <laughs> we'll have him back on the show. We, we, he said he's down here this offseason. We were going to have him back on in September sometime. Yeah. I'm just working out the deets. That's but, definitely uh, a story that's got to be told. Stop. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Scott L. said, teacher, you were late to your own wedding because these live streams start late. That's true. Oh. He was late to his own wedding. No, I wasn't late to my own wedding. I was. Well, you're not. I thought you were. No, I was right on time. William C said, "Anybody else getting fed up with no deals or trades announced yet? Seriously, it's been a week already." The only way I'll be frustrated is if we don't make a trade. If we make a trade, I'm fine with it. If we don't, well, it just gives us something to talk about until then. That's all I have to say. I'm ready, honestly, though, for some trades to start coming through or some moves to start coming through. I'm not worried, though. I, you know, as a fan, I'd like to see something happen, but I have zero worry. I'm not Everybody, worried. Everybody's already signed. I thought that uh, Murray was signed. But think about it. 
if you were Ryan Murray and you wanted to go to a Stanley Cup contender and you had the choice between us and Colorado, who would you pick? He picked right, FYI. He picked right. I, I want to ask you another question. We're going to play a fun game saying – if you're not worried, like myself and Grumpy, when is a time period, worst case scenario, if you're still not hearing any news on a trade front, any news on a deal front, signings, when do you start to worry? I'm not worried until probably mid-September. Right when mid-September rolls around, I'm like, uh-oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm starting to smash the panic button. But right we now, have, We have to do something before training camp. It, it has to be before training camp. And I think that's the middle of December. If, I mean, we, I'm sorry. if we start to see our deals start to slowly trickle out when they start releasing that information and there's no deal done by training camp, I am worried. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, I mean, the whole thing, there has to be a trade in the works. There's no other explanation. We have plenty of money to sign back any of our free agents unless Lou, you know, spent like a drunken sailor signing back Kyle Palmieri and, uh, you know, uh, Zay Jack and Parise. All those other ham and eggers from Jersey. Um, Michael M said, it's so like Trotz, though. Michael Del Cole played 386 games in an Islanders uniform like Komroff, and they still put up less points than Hosang did in the NHL. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? Josh yeah. got some other issues. I love Josh Hosang, but he, he's he got other issues. He never got saying, the, more, the more and more I see items pop up, like he was, he was, uh, he was asked there to leave Obero, I believe it was one of the Finnish teams, and he wound up joining up another one because he was out of shape again. It could have been because he wasn't able to practice as much. We heard Rich Ballon come on this last summer and talk about how his son Garrett wasn't able to do as much training as he'd like there because of COVID. So uh, you know, I'm willing to give Josh the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that impacted him because that was during the heat of COVID. So maybe that was the reason why he came in a little out of shape there. And again, they were mid-season as well in the Finnish league. So I try to give him as much as possible as they do all players but uh, i will say i think there's more of a josh issue than than not my whole problem with the islanders when it comes to any of their younger guys bellows hosang aho just they never give them a legitimate shot to break into the lineup that's the thing that makes me angry they should have just as much if not a better shot because you want your team to have younger players who are under team control on smaller contracts that innate, that gives you the financial flexibility to make moves like for a Tarasenko or for a Goudreau or for whoever's out there. But when you keep on going with the old retreads and have to pay them more money since they're veterans and you keep the young guy shackled to the bench or to the minors, it's not good for your team. Wouldn't you like to see what Josh Hosang, who certainly showed talent, particularly working with, with Brock Nelson that one year, they look like a natural fit, and he just never got another shot. That's it. You're never playing for us. And they waited how many years did they just keep him there instead of moving him? If you don't want him, cut him. But at least give him a shot or let them go. Let them advance their career. Because, you know, if these guys rot on the vine, their career is going to be over. I mean, and Keeper Bell is probably the next one. Yeah. Uh, you see that happen quite a bit here, but you know, I will play devil's advocate. Maybe the guys aren't good enough to actually crack it in the NHL to play devil's advocate. But Leo Komarov, who can't even skate, or Travis Zajac, who's 37 years old, or Michael Del Cole, for instance, those guys can, please.
Mm. Um, moving right along there. Michael T said, no worries about no news yet at all. Uh, Lou and Barry will have the Islanders in the playoffs again. I wouldn't count my chickens for that one. I'm not counting my chickens on that. I am less enthusiastic about the Flyers than you are. I know you're thinking the Flyers have really made a push. And I'll tell you, the, the, the Rangers look like they try to do anything and everything they could to add as much sandpaper as humanly possible to that team. What, what were they lacking? Certainly wasn't talent. It's way easier to have a talented team and add sandpaper and grit. Way easier. It's tougher to get high-end talent. That's all I have to say. I'm not saying the Rangers are going to beat us out, but their guys are young and talented, without a doubt. Who would you rather be, the Islanders or us for the next five years? Oh, and you said the Islanders are us. I'm sorry, the Rangers are us. For right now, I'd rather be the Islanders if we're talking, you know, two years down the road. Okay, well, it's a big uh, – come on, you can't cherry pick that. They're way different. Yeah, I think the Rangers are loaded with talent. And here's the thing, if these, I mean, if Reeves does what he's supposed to do and they got bring a couple other guys in who have a little bit of grit, I mean, that makes them way tougher to play against. I don't think they're a tough team to play against. They weren't, and neither was Philadelphia last year. And we beat the hell out of the Rangers uh, every single game we played them against. I don't think we're going to see the same exact amount of dominance we did in the last few years against the Rangers uh, upcoming. Right, because they want to add some physicality to their lineup. That's what they need. They're super talented. But as Tampa Bay showed, as uh, the Islanders showed back in the day, you know what? You need to have a little bit of sandpaper in your game to put you over the top. And that's the one thing they went out and got this year. I'm not saying they're better than us, but they're going to be improved. Alexander said, since we're signing Zajac, maybe we can bring in uh, Vladimir Malikov, um, a Pierre Turgeon. Scott hmm. Lachance. Wow. I think Lachance's kid got drafted uh, this season, this season. Uh, this press draft, you know, by man. the way. Um, yeah, Terrajon was a good player for us, too. Michael M. talking about Leo Komarov. 19 playoff games, zero goals, playing with Matthew Barzal. And yet the Islanders Facebook and Islanders cartel media thinks he holds the first line together. Strong Kool-Aid. Must be talking about Lollipop. Mr. Lollipop, Leo Komarov. That's what you're talking about. You know, I hate when they bring out the metrics to try to make something that your eyes see doesn't work, but we're going to bring out those metrics. Oh, look at how strong the defensive metrics are. Okay, they're not your fourth line. They're your first line. They're there to score. I, I have to keep on reminding people because they forget sometimes. And also, yeah, condolences definitely out to uh, the Donald Rosner there and his family um, and Stephen Rosner as well. Um, his uh, They lost their mom there, uh, Leanne Rosner there. He's the owner of the Blue Line Deli. And again, so everybody knows about that. It's very well known. Uh, out there on the island. And again, condolences there to them, uh, losing their family member like that. I believe it was cancer there, but uh, definitely condolences there for your loss. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Sal P there saying, if anybody thinks Ezekiel has more than one or two decent years left in him, you're crazy. He's fading fast, and I love what he's done here. But six years is insanity. I mean, that that's my that is my whole thought on that. Just his style of play, right? Ultra physical, uh, you know, grinding. It wears you out. He's injury prone. I mean, I didn't think he was as good last year. I didn't think the fourth line was that good last year. They had a couple of games where they were good, but they were outclassed a lot of the time. And on, I mean, they couldn't get out of their zone most of the year. 
I mean, you think that's getting better the older they get? I'm sorry, it's not. Um, and then Azaria P there says, does Chara make sense now that Ryan Murray is signed? I mean, I have no issue signing old players. I mean, they have anymore. no issue signing old players, sorry. He can't skate anymore. Chara can't skate anymore. He can't. I mean, he, no. And I, Jadam Chara, all-time great, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, no. No, I was about to say when I watched him, we watched him in the games. We got to see the eight games against the Washington Capitals this year. Man, oh man, you could just tell it was. It's unfortunate he's towards the tail end. He, it's like he's got cinder blocks attached to his ankles. Uh, just he's not fleet of foot. You know, he's never been a guy who at, at younger on in his career. He he used to be able to skate and move for a big guy. Yeah. Um, but now it's you could tell it's really tough. It's a struggle. And, you know, age catches everybody. Uh, Emmanuel R said, if Tarasenko is playing a. What or who is plan B? There is no plan B. The Islanders never have a plan B. It's always plan A or bust under Lou Lamarillo. If Tavares doesn't work out, oh well. If Panarin doesn't work out, oh well. When when Tarasenko doesn't work out, oh well. Oh, but it'll work out. I don't know why you're trying to pretend to be pessimistic here. But if he doesn't work out, I'm not sure what we have as a plan B, if anything. There is no plan B. To play devil's advocate there on the other end of the spectrum, Bruce K there saying Lou is a genius. Buh. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness gracious. Moving right along. I know I missed some uh, some uh, some comments here, but we have a lot what a of shocker. What about the lead? What about the Casper Holmes from comments you were talking about? Did you lose that? Those, those are far gone, Grum. Those are far gone. Michael T said, I want Johnny Goudreau. Great player, but do you want him for one year? And what would you have to give up to get him? I mean, that's what it comes down to. He's a free agent at the end of the year. And if you think he's signing back here, I'm sorry, I don't see that. And he's going to, that's going to be real money, real big money. I was about to say, it is going to be big money too, because I think you're going to see next year's players start to take a little bit more. Two years from now, you're going to see it back to the same old, same old players are going to get paid significantly larger than you know what the the highest contract is now because we're going to see the cap increasing you know steadily throughout the time period even next year if you're a free agent you could say hey there's only one more year left of this flat cap the thing that frustrates me with what Lamarillo did wasn't that he did every I thought he should have cleared cap which he did and we got rid of a veteran contract in Jordan Eberle we got rid of Letty and I was happy about that. But what was the thing I was worried about right from the beginning? That we were just going to reinvest it and throw too much money at guys already on our roster who have already proved that they cannot do the job to win a Stanley Cup. Already been proven two years in a row. And so far, what are we seeing? We're seeing we're just re-signing those guys again, and you've lost Letty with no replacement. That's all you've done. You lost Jordan Everly, no replacement. Not Kyle Palmieri. Kyle Palmieri was on team last year. Uh, team. Oh, that's right, shucks. Yeah. Uh, I was just playing. I was playing the other side of the argument like they like to do. Uh, Michael M. saying, if Lou was a genius, he wouldn't have traded Taves for peanuts. That's one of those sore button issues I've got. It's always one of those things that I hate to talk about because even if you wanted to trade Devon Taves and you need to get rid of him, he signed you know, a cheap contract, roughly about like what four point three million a year for four point one. I think it's four point one a year. Four point one million a year for four years. Even if you wanted to get rid of him, should have got more than two seconds for him. But and I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse. Um, 
But uh, Get Yeeted said, Zajac, Parise, uh, Leo Komarov, Pianic, Johnston. Why are they on this team? Because they're old and they're grinders. That's what they want. They want guys. They don't care about scoring. Who plays defense? Well, Parise doesn't play much defense, but he doesn't score anymore either. He's an old member of the band, though. Yeah. Getting the old Devils band back together. Yeah, that's it. Rusty Spooner said, if the egg came before the chicken, who laid the egg? It was hatched. It was just something that came out of the pre primordial ooze. <laughs> oozed up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, moving right along there. Um, oh, Michael T said, the answer is the egg based on evolution. Just ask Neil deGrasse Tyson. There you go. I hate to say, Michael T starting to smarten up, agreeing with the grumpy old man. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Took him a while. He's coming around to the dark side. And then Brian P also saying about Lubini Genius, how about giving Leo Komarov four years, 12 million uh, with a no trade cause for Leo Komarov? One year for a minimum salary is what other teams would give that stiff. What a horrendous contract. But he's done it a hundred times before and he's going to continue to do it. He does it every single year. Every year he overpays for aging, finished, toast, jag veterans every single year. Sal P said, Goudreau is from South Jersey, right outside of Philly. It would be like going home for him. That's that's where the scuttlebutt's been. It's him going back to Philly after this year. Has been for a long time. Mm. Maybe it won't happen, but he certainly won't sign here. You think a guy like that is going to subjugate his offensive game to play for this team? You're crazy. Uh, Alexander said, watch Holmstrom become back-to-back 30-goal-a-year score. Going to be tough to do that on the third line. Oh, come on. And then uh, Brian P. said, Tomasino over Kaliev over Draco Malfoy all day. Draco Malfoy there for Casper. He's giving Casper way too much credit calling him Draco Malfoy. Uh, Jim P. said, I was surprised we drafted Ruslani Shikoff as well. Yeah, me too, but he has no shot of playing here ever, ever, never, uh, ever, never, ever, ever, never, no uh, chance. Uh, Michael M said, I don't understand how we picked Holmstrom and picked Raw too. Uh, it's like we, we have no idea what we're doing in the draft. They don't know what they're doing. This year they stuck to the board because the scouts couldn't go out on the road and look for grinders. So it's like, well, geez, let's just go with chalk. And that's why the draft looks so good. I See, Will had the same feeling that everyone else did, that, you know, our draft was not overwhelming. It was okay. And then, because that's what I said. But I was excited. And I was only excited because, when in retrospect, because we've been drafting so poorly the previous years that just a C grade is like an A-plus to us Islander fans. Michael D. saying, did you guys just gloss over that Will did not think Oliver Wallstrom will be a top-line player? Did we gloss over that? I think he undersold how good Oliver Wallstrom's become. I do. And I think for a fair assessment before he – before I think he's grown as a player, but he was a guy when he was originally drafted who was a shot-only guy. He was never a great skater. He's improved on a skating. He's still not a great skater. He's a guy who's got unbelievable stick-handling ability. I think he's got good vision, and he's got, he's got a lot of offensive acumen. But I think he's worked on his skating. He could still work and improve on his skating, but he's never going to be a great skater. 
can move. Yeah, he, he's also more physical than uh, I originally expected to. Yes, he's adapted to the physical game, and he's improved tenfold as a skater from what he was. Tenfold. I and, I remember TJ. I thought he couldn't even skate, but he's really improved in that aspect of his game. And good for him, right? You got to work at it. Certain players who struggle skating will never learn how to skate, like your Griffin Reinhardt's. That's a guy who always they said, oh, he's so smart and strategic the way he moves. That's the reason why he doesn't look like he's exerting a lot of energy. That's why he doesn't look like he's flying around out there in the ice because he's always in the right spot at the right time so he doesn't have to go ahead and overexert himself. Some guys can never be great skaters. Some guys can never improve their skating. Griffin Reinhardt's, the list goes on and on. Oliver Wallstrom has shown those improvements there. When he originally was drafted, was not a great skater. though. Right. You know, when you said just – you know, doesn't exert a lot of energy, just kind of, you know, positionally sound. Sound like talking about Josh Bailey. Griffin Reinhardt, Josh Bailey, what's the difference? Really? I knew you were going to try to slam that in there, but I appreciate you, Michael, there for bringing it up. Hopefully you didn't gloss over that. Um, but I, I will say us as Islander fans, we know we get to watch Oliver Walsh on a pretty consistent basis, and I think this year he's made big strides. We saw it there. Sometimes he looked dominant out there on the ice in certain shifts so it's one of those things that uh we'll closely monitor um alexander saying i just want to say love the podcast as well as your other one there tj and the grumpy old man thank you for giving us some great entertainment and hope you guys are doing great many blessings to both you and your families tj and grumpy thank you there alexander i appreciate it thank you alexander and carlos carrasco if they get him stretched out a little bit he's gonna do okay for the mets um and then Eli said, when's the next general sports podcast show? I keep forgetting. It's tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm so glad we have Eli to pump that show. TJ certainly won't do it. <laughs> uh, Michael said, I feel for Bellows. If you're getting scratched for Leo Komarov, it's time to retire. Right, or Travis Zajac or any other myriad of ham and egg or grinders. I mean, the kid, three games, three goals. Two goals first game, and he looked really good. Second game, scores another goal. One game, he doesn't score a goal. Banishment. You're done. You're history. Josh Bailey could go 70 games without scoring a goal. Going to roll him out every night. Play him on the power play. Play him anytime he wants because he's smart. Give me a player who produces over somebody who's smart every day of the week. Apollo uh, C said, we need a right winger scorer to replace Everly. We're weak on the right side now, and Wallstrom is not enough to have a chance there for a cup. If we do not get Tarasenko, it is going to be a very long season. Unless they feel that Josh Bailey is the answer at right wing. He had been never scoring more than 18 goals in the season. Oh. He had, when was How many goals has he scored? Uh, on the, when was the last time he scored on a, on a power play? Josh Bailey, I don't know. Was it like three goals in the last 200 games? I don't know. That's that our boy Vinny. I think our boy Vinny, Vinny Smith there gives us that. Are the Vinny Smith or, or Salpi? I cannot remember, and I apologize. Um, I don't know our fans better. Uh, Thomas D, thank you so much for this point. Says no chance they're not, they don't sign or trade for a veteran defenseman. Trotz does not play rookies. He still sits Noah Dobson for long periods at times when he makes mistakes. That is 100% correct, right? No, talk about, will he be ready to take the next jump? Remember, they sit Noah Dobson when he makes a mistake. Sometimes they sit him for 10-plus minutes. It's not even if he makes mistakes. They just sit him because he doesn't trust them. I mean, but you can see Andy Green make a mistake after mistake after mistake. Now, that said, Noah Dobson was not the same player after he came back from COVID. 
till maybe the end of the playoffs. I thought he was starting to get it back a little bit. But he struggled after uh, he came back from COVID. He did. But the fact that he just – it just – to me, it's like you got to let – you got to let the young guys grow. You can't shelter. What are you going to do? Let him play 10 minutes a night till he's 30 and then he's ready to go? I just – I don't know. Scott Ellis said all other teams in the league give their young kids playing time and not the Islanders' way. It's frustrating. Yeah, same thing here. That That's exactly – frustrating. Good word. Dan, grumpy old man. His name is Dan. You're right. You said Daniel. You said Daniel. Yes. Okay. Uh, Brian M. There said, "What's wrong with Hickey? He sucks. He sucks and blows." (laughs) Oh goodness gracious! Um, uh, Moving right along there, Michael M. Said, "Don't even need analytics. Uh, Anyone I know who's not an Islander fan has watched us play. Notices that Leo is not uh, is not for the is not." And not for the right reasons. Notices Leo not for the right reasons. Man, a man of having a because <laughs> he's finished. He's finished. He's absolutely finished. And you watch him get time next year. You watch. Maybe well, you know what, Wallstrom? You didn't score last night and you're on the ice for a goal. Doesn't matter if it was because Parise was goal hanging. Uh, you weren't back in your zone covering that. Uh, so we're gonna sit you. Doesn't matter if Parise's a minus seven and you're a minus one. You're sitting. Michael T said, if Pelic is so great, one of our young defensive prospects should be able to play alongside him and learn. They don't sure, want to could, but I mean, you don't want to saddle a guy who's your best defenseman there. And and if you're gonna play him with a younger guy who you know he's not gonna get much time, so you don't want to go ahead and saddle him and say, We're gonna play you less minutes now. We're gonna play you with a, a guy like a, a side cart. How would you like to have uh, Dobson and give him more offensive freedom with Pellick, put Mayfield with Pulak, and then of course your bottom pairing is a disaster. <laughs> Andy Green, whoever else are going to throw out there. Yeah. yeah, how's that work for you? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Brian uh, right said Wallstrom is overrated. See, I don't think so. I don't think. I'm not saying he's not rated as highly as he should be, but I think he's just overlooked. I, I, I don't think he's overrated. I don't think anyone rates him extremely high. What a film said. I hope Hickey gets back in the lineup. That would set Grumpy right off. You got that right. <laughs> Ugh, Hickey. <Jeez. laughs> oh my it's like God. a bad rash. Just keeps coming back. Stop. Um, and then what a film said in Brush. Where do you get that helmet? I love it. It is a cool helmet. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Uh, moving right along here. Um, Alexander said Josh Bailey is not elite. Who the hell says that? I hey, I hear people say that all the time. Josh Bailey's an elite winger all the time. Brush says that. No, no, no. Hey, remember, Mikey, 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 Mr. Ryan said that. No, he's not elite. He's his mom, and like I said, his mom didn't even call him elite tonight. His mom even put in air quotes above average. She knows he's not. She knows he's not. Everyone knows. Josh's mom knows he's not elite. What a film said. I think we should all pitch in and buy Grumpy a dog. Maybe a great day. Oh, my God, no. No, <laughs> no freaking dog. Oh Here's the thing. I, I don't, I'm not a dog person, okay? And my son has a dog, and we love the dog, but it's like, all right, when are you going back home with the dog? He just, it, he just, and maybe because he's a, he's a, a jumpy, you know, he's a bigger dog, and 
He's a German short-haired pointer, and I guess they're kind of hyperactive. They got him fixed, and it ain't changed anything. I knew that wasn't going to happen just looking at him. Um, Brian P said, nice, TJ. You got a movie quote right. Yeah, I was about to say I got a movie quote right, Grumpy, and I got no credit for it. I got no kudos from you. I guess I just brushed it off as a the blind squirrel. Do I need to whip that one out again? Oh, funny, funny. Uh, Rusty Spooner also said his mom called her son, I quote, my son Spackle. Yep. Thanks for the new nickname, Miss Bailey. Spackle the hockey player. Laugh my ass off. <laughs> That's right, Spackle. Uh, and then Jim P said, I hate to say it, but Casey is going to be long-term injury for the last three years of that six-year contract. I was about to say, realistically, I could see that maybe being the case, unfortunate as that is. But I'm not I'm not riding and putting 100% faith in that he'll be long-term injury. It's nice to think maybe that is something, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to Vegas and putting money down on that. Yeah, I he'll play at least four years of that deal. At least. Rusty Spooner said, grumpy and a bull mastiff is perfect. Ugh. Gosh, I remember a friend had a bull mastiff. No, just no. Uh, Brett W said this just in from Luna Landline. Casey agreed to a nine year 1.95 million. You know, that works. Keith's going off there. Uh, Rusty Spooner all said this is the podcast, the roast of TJ. Oh, god, you're awesome, TJ. I appreciate it. Uh, but moving right along there, I'll tell you, it's uh, we got a lot of comments here and um. I, I enjoyed having Will there on the podcast today, Grumpy. Um, this is unfortunately we do not have. Oh, Eve, my best friend, my best friend Eve. He says port wine is the wine you're thinking about, TJ. I knew somebody would get that reference. I'm a wine drinker. I drink a little bit of wine. Somebody told me that once. You go to the discount aisle. Oh, who's the biggest jug of wine you got? Family size bottle of wine. Never even heard of such a thing. You probably drink it right out of the box, don't you? Uh, I don't. I don't drink it out of the box. I just. I just get an actual box. box wine. Uh, and uh, Brett W said, "Grumpy Josh Hosang was put on waivers a few times. Nobody claimed him. Nobody else wanted him for free. So a trade couldn't have been an option. Cut him. Cut him. There was your option. Cut him. Drop him. You didn't have to resign him last year. You didn't have to. You didn't have to resign him two years ago when he was restricted free agent. You never had to resign him. You chose to resign him." Didn't have to. He chose to do that. Let him go. Soon, what do you know? As soon as he's not under contract, he gets signed by Toronto. I'm just saying, right? Somebody would have picked him up. Oh my goodness! Uh, and our boy Dan said uh, Tarasenko would have been a cakewalk to pronounce there. And he said, "Now that's going to be a running joke in my house now." So I'm glad Grumpy you're able to spread some of the running jokes you have in your house to others. At Michael T there, I said it once. It was years ago. Uh, Michael T, and you're the one who still screws it up now, so I don't know who's more to blame. Michael T said, I shook Rich Ballon's hands, and he had stone giant hands. He was like a stone giant. He's a big guy. Put together. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then Eli said, Reeves is an overrated pile of garbage who spends more time in a box than on the ice. 100% agreement, but that's the type of player they need. They need some player who you so you can't intimidate their their skill players. That's what they were missing. They were missing it last year, and now they have it. I'm not saying that I never said Reeves was a great player, but he's like Ross Johnson. He's a deterrent out there, and it goes a long way, honestly. And then Doug Savara said, "Love your show. I'll give it a shout out there on my next episode of the Doug Savara Show." Well, I appreciate that, there, Doug. Uh, 
Uh, absolutely there. Moving right along here. Oh, we got people who are not happy with the take you just had recently, Grumpy. Oh, man. What I take? About the Rangers. You'd be more happy to be a Ranger fan. That's I no, I didn't. you would be more you would be you'd be in a better position to play if you were the Rangers than the Islanders were over the next five years. That's right. I firmly believe that. Where do you think this team's gonna be in five years? Three quarters of our forward line is over the age of 30 years old. Yeah, he said, Oh my god, Grumpy, you'd uh, have to be a Ranger. Michael. It's Michael. It's Michael, as he says, it's Michael. It's Mikey. Michael. He likes it. He won't eat. He won't eat it. He won't eat anything. Like cereal. He's eating it. He's eating it. Hey, Mikey, you like it? Oh goodness gracious! Uh, if, if seriously, if you can't say that the Rangers have uh, are set up to be better in the next five years, you're not being honest with yourself. Hmm. I mean, just look at how their their team is young and talented. Uh they are. they are. They are. They are. And it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to piece that together. And they do have a young stud goaltender just like the Islanders do. So it's not like you could say, hey, we've got the young goaltender going for us. Shesterkin's also a really good goalie. They got a coach now who's way better than the clown they had last year. Way better. College Quinn. College. I mean, Gerard Gallant is a good coach. A really good coach. Uh, Brian P said, sometime your general manager and coach have to instill confidence in young, talented players, calling them out after one bad game and sitting them for old scrubs that aren't even close to as good is a stupid way to get the best out of the kids. Brian, once again, 100% spot on. I like Brian, man. He and I think a lot alike. Uh, what a film said. Uh, we can't forget about TJ Chinchilla or Hedgehog. It's on us, TJ. Uh, I'd probably go Hedgehog. I don't know. I I don't, I don't have either of them, but if I'm saying one, I like Sonic the Hedgehog, so maybe I'll say Hedgehog. Um, Chinchilla's more good for coats. <laughs> they don't make those into coats, do they? I think they do. Chinchilla coats, sure. Oh, God. I think it's that people don't like it now, but I, I don't know if they still do it. I'm sure they do. Alexander said, Philip Forsberg is a guy they've got to go after uh, once he hits the market. He's a guy I would love on this team. Love to have Philip Forsberg. Uh, Rusty Spooner said, do you think Lou takes a chance on on a guy like Evander Kane? Do you think Barry can break that ego of his? Any thoughts no on that? No freaking way. There's no way they bring a guy like that in. And we'll talk about that tomorrow for certain. We'll talk about the issue. But no, to answer your question, I think he is going to be, if that if those are true, he will no longer be playing in the NHL for a while, if ever. I mean, his wife just... Man, oh man. Ex wife. Yeah, whatever. You think they got problems in their relationship? You think? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Marque said, could Paris say help on the power play? Potentially, I guess. He wasn't good enough to play on Minnesota's power play, though. No, I thought he played power play minutes. He played power play. He couldn't even get on the ice at the end. He was a he was a he was a depth player at the end in Minnesota. Hmm. I just don't don't expect to be see market improvement in Zach Parise. Oh, well, two years ago he did this. Well, yeah, but he was 35 then. Now he's 37. I mean, is that – I'm just kind of confused. You're thinking he's getting better the older he gets? He's not. I don't think he's going to get better, but uh, we our power play is miserable, and to have him out there I think couldn't hurt. But it depends, right? If we get a guy like Tarasenko, I, I don't think there's a need to have a guy like Parise out there. 
exactly. If so we don't, does. then sure, maybe he would help. But I mean, that's that's worst case scenario. Shouldn't Palmieri be just as good? You know, he and Wallstrom out there. If you don't get Tarasenko, I was about to say Wallstrom. Wallstrom should be playing power play minutes. No it's doubt, about it. he should be playing power play minutes next year. First power play, he should be on the first power play. Uh, Ariel C said, "Not sure why Zajac is even a thought to be brought back. Who thinks Zajac? Yeah, I want to resign him. Lou Lamarillo, that's who. Barry Trotz, that's who. More oh. guys to play uh, pinochle with." <laughs> um, and then uh, Michael T saying, "Evander Kane would be a major product project, I would think." He's a guy, guy who's older. I mean, like I understand him being a project as a young guy, but he's been in the league for how many years now? He should know better. He's got a real damaged reputation right now. This is gonna. This is a that's bad news for him. I think that's a killer. It's a killer to his career. If that's true too, he'll never play again. Yeah, they're investigating. Let's hope it's not true. Let's hope it's not true. Mm-hmm. He's talented. And Ariel C also saying the silence is deafening. Regarding the Islanders, not making any moves so far. Don't worry, Ariel. We'll be okay. It'll be okay. We already know who we've definitely signed. Just all the Ham and Egger Jags that we had last year. Sign them all back. We just lose Everly and Letty. And everybody else is back. The rest of the gang is back. Plus Parise. Oh, yeah. Parise. I forgot about him. And whoever else we're going to get at the left-handed defense spot. I think that's worst case scenario. I think we're going to get Tarasenko. No need to worry. I'm not letting you. I'm not letting you, Grump. I think he, I know I, you. You. I want him. Vegas, you think we're getting to, uh, Tarasenko too? I want him in the worst way. The long. I, I. I want him. I absolutely want. I'm willing to roll the dice on Vladimir Tara Transenko Chenko. Uh. I can't help just because you can't pronounce it still. Uh, Robert G said, what happens to Anatoly Goloshev? Bridgeport. Bridgeport. Yeah, Bridgeport is right. Uh, we will not see too much of him. Uh, maybe unless an awful injury happens. But yeah, that's another guy too, right? If you thought he had any chance there to play for us, uh, signing Zajac there to an extension. Uh, or signing Zach Parise. This kid, this guy's a goal scorer, right? I would rather have Parise over Goloshev, to be honest. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, but moving moving right along here, Apollo C there says, uh, I'd like Johnny Goudreau, but uh, he's a left wing, and we're okay there on the left side with Anders Lee, Bavillier. We need a right wing score, and it's Tarasenko. I agree. I agree. Tarasenko's the, hey, the man. That's the guy I want. Michael M is saying Parise could put up 20 goals. Just don't think he'll be a power play guy if we get Tarasenko. I 100% agree. Yes. And then Ariel C said, no pun intended, but to play devil's advocate, if we don't do anything other than re-sign everybody and get Parise, I don't think uh, it will be as bad as we think it is. A needle mover, no, but there is depth on this team. Believe me. I would much rather have Tarasenko in an Islanders jersey. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, Parise is not an upgrade over what we had last year. You've lost Everly. You lost Letty. And I'm not the biggest Letty fan, but you have no one to replace him right now. And he did play 20-some-odd minutes a game. And that's tough to replace on the defensive end. Everly's uh, so who's going to be your first line forward? Palmieri? I don't know. I just uh, to me you're just you're not you haven't improved your team, 
And if you don't improve, you're going backwards. The only team that can afford to stay standing still is Tampa Bay. That's the only team because they won the cup. This team didn't win the cup the last two years. And if this is the lineup, we're not winning the cup next year either. Just not happening. Jesus. Alexander says, Pierre Maguire hyping up Leo Komarov on the telecast just for standing in front of the net. That comes right from Lou and Barry. He gets his running orders from them. They tell him, yeah, this guy's doing great. Can you pump him up? Pierre pumps him up. Uh, Paulo C said, Bello should be our third line left winger. Why not? Why not? Wouldn't you love to see a line, Pajot, Wallstrom, and Bellows? Wouldn't you love to? I think they did it for one game, didn't they? And they looked pretty good. I think it was one game. And they looked pretty good, I thought. I thought they looked pretty good out there. Um, and Mark A, they're saying, I like Sebastian Ajo. Give him a shot. Why not? Uh, yeah, he's not ready to play top four minutes, but hey, as a guy who might be a bottom pairing defenseman, you could do a lot worse than that in the NHL. Uh, and a guy who's on a very manageable contract as well, especially if we're talking about cap issues we might have. Brian P said, there's more proof Lou is not a good cap general manager. He hasn't learned. Uh, you don't give 30-year-olds long contract in a cap era, especially on a flat cap. All top organizations develop young players and put them in the lineup. That's how you keep costs down. You give your young – that's why the younger players are getting paid the money now. Teams are not letting them get to be free agents when they're 27, 28 and sign them to big deals. They're signing when they're 22, 23 to long-term deals. This way, okay, you might overpay a little bit now, but you're getting all throughout their prime and you want to saving money in the long run, right? And I've often said, lose a great GM, but the salary cap is that's just beyond his years. It just is. The salary cap is the great equalizer. And he still has not uh, – they should have somebody who just specializes in the cap. That's what they should have. I'm That's sure they do. I'm sure they do have somebody who does that. I don't think so. I think he's uh, really doing everything. Ariel C. said, people on Facebook praising Bailey, saying that they would never want to trade Bailey for Tarasenko. It's absolutely insane. I want what they're smoking. Yeah, if you gave me a one-up trade there, Bailey for Tarasenko, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Oh, here's the caveat. If Tarasenko is healthy, and if you've looked at his medical records and you say, yes, we could say that they had botched the surgery a few times and weren't targeting the right area, and this has now been fixed, if that is the case, i take that deal in a heartbeat. I don't care if he loses an arm. I'd still take him over Josh Bailey. <laughs> uh, but Yeah, people praising Josh Bailey. Again, you hear it's like, oh, yeah, Josh, it would be terrible to see him go for what he brought to the franchise. What has he brought? Mediocrity? Below average play? I mean, he certainly ain't bringing goals and talent to the table. Alexander, as Pierre McGuire says, Eddie, can't say enough about Leo Komarov. Not retaliating. Blah, 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 blah. Unbelievable job by Leo Komarov. Yeah. Because he was late getting in the damn zone. The play was over. Everybody else is back on the bench. Oh, man. man. I'll just never forget it. You got Barzell and Eberle in the offensive zone. You got five guys back for Pittsburgh or whoever it was. And there's Leo behind the two defensemen backing him up. I'm like, what? Uh, Eli said, get a pug or something. They snore and sleep all day, Grump. What the heck do I need that for? What do I need a dog for? Oh, I used to have a cat. The cat was wonderful. Cat's dead now. But, you know, I mean, she was the cat was just wonderful. Alexander said, for the last time to all Islander fans, Lee would not have put us over the top. Uh, we would have lost regardless of Lee. Just just stop thinking that way, people. Anders Lee is not a difference maker. Mark I could see, honestly, I could see if we got to the 
Stanley Cup seven semifinals and lost in seven games without Matt Barzell, then I could say Matt Barzell could put you over the top because he's the only difference maker on the whole team. Only guy. One guy on the whole team is a difference maker. I don't agree all the way. Uh, I'll tell you this. I don't think Anders Lee puts us over the top. I do think we do have different – we do also have difference makers. I think our goaltending, I think a guy like Sorokin's a difference maker. I think a guy like Pelik is a difference maker. I do think those players are difference makers. Pelik is not a difference maker. He's a defensive defenseman. He's not, dif- he's not a, a difference maker. He shuts down other teams' top lines and does an excellent job of it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he doesn't. I think it's a difference maker when you can eliminate a top line. I do believe that's a difference maker. Okay. I thought there were times he got skated around last year. In the playoffs, I thought he looked excellent. He shut down the Crosby line. He shut, I mean, like, you just look at game after game. He shut down the perfection line. He did an excellent job. Yeah, I'm not not belittling him at all. Any way, shape, or form, I definitely want him back. I'm just saying in a tight game, you need somebody who can create offense. If you need a goal late, you need somebody who can create offense. Those are the players that are really hard to find. We're, we're going to go rapid fire. We're going to go rapid fire here, Grump, because, okay, we're going to go rapid fire here. Got a lot of comments here, Grumpy. Uh, Mark A said, uh, do the Rangers make the playoffs next year? I think this is an interesting question. I think they're going to be close. If they make the playoffs, it's because a team like the Penguins fall off and don't make the playoffs. I think Gerard Gallant is a big difference maker for them. I think it is, and I think they're going to have a first gym. I think they will be close. I, I say this. I feel like I say this every year. When is the fun in the sun for the Pittsburgh Penguins and the aging crew of, you know, your Latangs, your Crosbys, your Malkins? When is that going to fade? When is, you know, the fade of, you know, uh, John Carlson and Alexander Ovechkin and Nicholas Baxter? When are we going to start seeing the fading of those players? Again, like they're going to have a Connor McMichael to throw in the lineup, which is going to help. But when are we going to start seeing the fading of the Crosbys, the Malkins, the Latangs? I don't know. Next year? Who knows? Who won division last year? The Boston Bruins. No. Oh, the Washington. Washington Capitals. Okay, sorry. Who came in second, Pittsburgh. Okay, I'm just saying. Again, our our division is going to be tough. It's going to be staffed from top to bottom. I mean, Philly made a lot of bold moves too. I'm as much as I think Philly mismanaged certain aspects. It's hard to say that they won't be improved from last year. No, wait. Didn't Pittsburgh win division? Pittsburgh won division last year, right? Yeah, Pittsburgh won division. Washington was second because we played Pittsburgh in the first round. Yes. Yeah, because we were fourth. Pittsburgh won division. How screw is it for me to suggest that maybe they might fall off and not make the playoffs the year after? I don't know. I uh, If I got Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, I think your chances of making the playoffs are pretty good. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, not Ovechkin. Play on different teams. Well, yeah, but Ovechkin for – uh, Washington. So both those teams. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Michael T said, it's kind of funny how Lou Lamarillo is making everybody play his game. It's Lou's Clues. Lou's Clues. Like Blue's Clues. That's cute. Thank you, Michael. Eli said, Gerard, not in the playoffs, Gallant. Mm, I don't know. I think he's pretty good. Didn't he lead Vegas to the Stanley Cup Finals his first where, year? Boy? Where he lost two Barry Trots. Yeah. They were an expansion team, though. Hmm. Um, Alexander said, "If you keep benching younger guys, you ruin the confidence. And uh, and when they find the ice again, in my opinion, they hit a wall. The problem is when you don't show, when you don't let players play through mistakes, and you bench them every time they make a mistake, and you don't do that with the veterans. 
It means that they're scared to play their game. You take away the edge that makes them different. Again, it's Barry trying to jam that square peg into the round hole. It's not good. Adjust your system based on the players. If you see offensive players that are go, go, I'm trying to score. Well, you know what? Adjust it. Adjust your system to help those guys succeed. That's what it should be. Don't try to shackle them. Just because you make a mistake is not the end of the world. Eli saying, hey, I won't even complain if the Rangers make it to the second round because we can just steamroll them and go to the Eastern Conference Finals again. Yeah, I, I don't know if the Rangers will make the playoffs. I think they'll be improved, though. Alexander also said, can we sit here and say that Parise is an upgrade over Michael Del Cole? Yes, I do believe on a one-year contract, Parise is an upgrade over Michael Del Cole. But Michael Del Cole was a healthy scratch every night. He wasn't a starter. But I think I, I th- here, I think that uh, he's also an upgrade over Travis Ajak, over Leo Komroth. That being said, I think that Kiefer Bellos is also an upgrade over those players too. So, like I said, he's just a depth guy. They're all the same. They're all the same. Every one of them is the same. Don't need more of those guys. Got plenty of them. We need uh, some higher level talent. Ed A said we can use Tarasenko, but not at Anthony Bavillier's expense. Agreed. Um, absolutely. What a film said, pugs are great. Uh, they just follow you around, Grump. They sit on your lap during a podcast. I mean, come on, Grumpy. That'd be adorable. No. I, as a matter of fact, my son's dog is probably going to make an appearance on the Saturday podcast. He's coming into town, oh. and I'm sure he's going to put his little snout up here. Uh, Michael T. said, does Grumpy consider Tarasenko a, a bacon and egger? Nope. He, I, he's a guy with real talent. He's a difference maker. He's a difference maker. Got another weird one there from Eli saying scrambled, boiled, or sunny side up. Which is the best? I'm a scrambled guy. I don't eat eggs. <laughs> you don't eat eggs at all? Nope. What's wrong with you? No eggs? I don't eat eggs. That's why I like chicken, but not eggs. Oh, God. Uh, Wood of Films also said the Islanders need a good, solid power play. They kill penalties um, well, but uh, they need that missing piece. Hopefully, Tarasenko, no more Bailey. Couldn't agree. No more Bailey. That should be the chant. No more Bailey. No more Bailey. That's what his mom was saying today. No more Bailey. No. If Here's the thing. She would have threw in the towel. Don't pick on my Josh. Throw in the towel. Oh, God. Uh, Rusty Spooner said, deal. We'll get you a tiger then, Grump. Uh-uh. I don't yeah, think Grumpy's thing. animals. Um, and then Michael D said, Grumpy, for God's sake, you make it to back-to-back conference finals. You have to have you have to have one more difference maker. You have to have more than one difference maker. When you say things like that, you sound ridiculous. Michael, give me another difference maker on the team. It's not we just play a solid defensive game and hope to capitalize on teams' mistakes. We have one difference maker on the whole team. One guy who's a high-end talent. One. I'm not saying Wallstrom can't develop into it. I'm not saying that Pavilion if he became a little bit uh, more consistent, couldn't develop into that. But everybody else is just a guy. Everybody else. That's my point. You you want somebody that, okay, on this shift, an individual talent is just going to come and he can score a goal, a big goal that's going to win the game for us. We just don't have those guys. Um, Eli there says, uh, the week before the live stream starts, can you guys do a standings prediction live stream? I think that would be fun to see. Yeah, for certain we will. Um, 
And I, as I told you before, I think we've got more than one difference maker. I think Pelic is a difference maker, even though you don't give him that type of respect. I do think, or that type of uh, brand there to him, I think he's a difference maker. If we had Bobby Orr was a difference maker on defense, okay? Eric Carlson in his prime was a difference maker. How many defense. difference makers do you think there are in the league? I think... Uh, Let's say we're looking at every single team. Malkin, Latang, no. they take, take games over. They can take games over. That's what a difference maker is. They can take games over. That's what a difference maker is. McDavid, Drysidle. I mean, those guys are difference makers. We got one guy who can do that. Just one guy. Take over a game. Alexander saying the conference finals is the ceilings for this team. Uh, that is it. If you're happy, then by all means. That's That's my whole thing. I'm not happy just getting to the conference finals and getting beat every year by a team from the whatever the South Division. Uh, Michael T said we would have won the cup with Lee uh, was the captain. He was Barzal's limeite. He was on our top of goal score. We miss Lee tremendously versus Tampa. I'm not saying we didn't miss him, but I don't feel like that's that. I don't, still don't think that puts us over the top. Rusty Spooner also saying we would have won the cup there with Lee 100. percent I we had Lee the year before. We didn't win the cup. And the only addition we made the year after was, hey, now we had Sorokin additionally in net. We had the same exact defense crew, same exact defense crew, except minus Devon Taves, who was uh, who was a uh, what Norris Trophy finalist. Uh, we lost Lee, and we added Palmieri. And, uh, and That's it. Palmieri was the addition this year. I, I think it's excellent coaching. Who, scored, who didn't score at all against Tampa? Same team. We had a lot of topics to speak about a lot here, Grumpy. Uh, one more comment here. Aunt Bruce there saying, um, I think the Islanders win the cup last year after Wallstrom was back from injury. Why did Barry keep Uncle Leo in? Because he likes to play. He likes the old guys. He likes the the guys who are consistent. He wants it. He doesn't care. I'm not saying he doesn't care if we score, but he doesn't want to have put anything to risk. He doesn't, he's risk adverse. And that means young guys aren't going to play because they're, you know, uh, I can't really trust them. I don't know what they're going to do from shift to shift. If they have a bad shift, they could fucking end up in our net. But he doesn't look at the positive. I'd rather look at, man, when that guy's on the ice, he can put the puck in the net. And I just don't think that Barry looks at it that way. Um, Eli, come up with a few hashtag spackle sucks and spackle is slacking. Spackle uh, slack. Uh, spackle slack. Uh, Brian P said, Everyone always forgets shortened seasons got us into the playoffs. We might not have even made it, uh, either year if there were 82 game seasons. We would not have two made the playoff two years ago, For absolutely sure. would not have made the playoffs. The year we originally started, we would not have yes, made the, the, the year. We would not have made the playoffs. Nope, never, no shot. But last year. Even if it went 82, I still think we went because Philadelphia just imploded and the Rangers fell on hard times and Buffalo sucked. So, you know, other than that, you know, and the Devils were what the Devils were. But uh, in the COVID year, we were not even making the playoffs. Uh, Paul O.C. there said, Rangers will make the playoffs. They might even have a better season than us if we do not get Tarasenko. I think Washington might not make it. I think Washington's still going to make it. I love the a good coach. Eli saying Washington and Pittsburgh out of the playoffs next year, in my opinion. Our our division is going to be really tough. 
Carolina is going to make the playoffs. That I much see Carolina is a guaranteed lock to make the playoffs, right? You're thinking all the additions that Philly made. The Islanders are a team that, you know, hopefully he's made some additions. Again, Pittsburgh won the division last year, but when is this fun in the sun going to set for those guys? Washington is another team that's older up there in age. So we have a very, very competitive division. Yeah. We're not the best division in hockey, but the, the teams are really, they're really, really balanced. It's really balanced at the top for certain. Um, Taco Fall also said there, Paul Mary, who didn't score against Tampa. I guess we want to talk about the games before when he had the overtime winners and major goals. He may have age, but uh, give the guy some credit. Who performed at the highest level against Tampa? Right? Matt Barzell. Matt Barzell really turned it on in Boston and forward for certain. I mean, Tampa, Tampa Bay is the gold standard. Who performed their best against the gold standard? It was Matt Barzell. He was the one guy who stood up. I think there were a few guys who stood up. Come on. I I'm think offensively. Okay. offensively. I think Brock Nelson offensively had moments. Yeah, not against Tampa. Not against Tampa. I mean, we only scored, what was it, 11 goals in seven games goals. against Tampa. So we weren't really uh, on the offensive side of the puck. We weren't any gold standard by any stretch. But if they knew who to stop, it's Barzell. And it's, it's, you know how we, it's easier to stay. Here's the thing. Considering he played on the helicopter line, he still did the job. We need more players like that. I'm not saying a Matt Barzell type, but somebody who shows up in the big moments. Last, last two comments here, Grumpy, yeah. before we conclude today's podcast. Brian P. said, we would be a team fourth and in inches to win the game, and Barry and Lou would punt. True. Uh, True. Also, Wood of Films there saying, thank you for the podcast. Love you guys. Thank you there, Wood of Films there. Um, oh, we got two more just rolled in there. Uh Azaria there, P said, if the Islanders don't give Vladdy, uh, is there anyone else you guys think the Islanders would trade for? No. I'm, they might go for a defenseman then. They might look for a left-handed defenseman, somebody to put on the top four. Um, Ed A also said, Tampa's defense is so much better than you guys, than, uh, than they get credit for. True. True. They're good. They're the best team in the league. I think they, they lost their whole third line, though, so I expect them to take a step back. Um, talk of all also saying I'm not saying Barry didn't stand up I'm just saying that Paul Mary is the reason we won most of the games uh, totally disagree sorry Taco I disagree with that um, last comment here William C there saying the way I see it um, uh, is if we almost beat Tampa which is truly the hardest test any team we verse next year will be like a piece of cake uh, we now know what we have to do to win it all didn't we know that going into this year too we went through the same grind the year before and couldn't get it done. And this year, the same thing. I think I mean, the experience, I think experience wise, we're fine. I'm not worried. You know, some teams when they first get their chance, you know, Hey, we don't have a lot of experience. It's uh, kind of, you know, the moment gets a little big for them. Some teams, even if it's the first time they, the moment's never too big for them. I'm not worried about that with our team. Right. It's not, but, you, but here's the thing. Our guys are older. We're not, we don't have the capacity. They don't have the capacity. The majority of the team, to up their game another level. There, there is no higher level for a Brock Nelson, a Josh Bailey, a Kyle Palmieri. They are what they are at this stage of their career. You could say Bavillier. You could say Barzell. Those guys could up because they're younger players who can still move their ceiling up. That's what I'm talking about. It's so difficult when you bring the same guys back and they're all old. It's not like we're a bunch of younger players who are going to get better through the maturation process. 
We have a bunch of guys who are fully matured, and the only direction they're going to take is go down. If we're lucky, they stay the same. If we're lucky. But guys, you know, guys in their 30s tend to fall off the cliff a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Um, Michael T. said Barzal stood out against Tampa, but he missed his linemate, Anders Lee, sorely. True. I, yeah, he True. definitely did miss his linemate. I don't think Anders Lee, though, is a huge – I think Anders Lee is better than Grumpy gives him credit for. Grumpy always calls him average Anders. He's better than Grump gives him credit for. But difference maker-wise, I think we're looking at a few. I think Pellick on the defensive side of the puck is a difference maker potential. Matt Barzal currently and Sorokin when he's on his game, I think is a difference. Same thing with Varlamov. Our goalie tandem, when they're on their game, they're difference makers. Yeah, I think Sorokin is better than Varlamov. And you mentioned Sorokin even play against Tampa. I'm just saying both of the goalies, when they're on their game, they're difference makers. I think our goaltending can be a difference maker. I don't, I don't. I think Sorokin can be a difference maker, not Varlamov. Varlamov is a is a guy who benefits from the system, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's a solid goalie. He's not a difference maker. He's All right, said there, great show as always, guys. Grump is my sensei. We think hockey the same. Thank, Thank you, Dave, Brian. Brian. And then, uh, and Azaria P also said there is Vince done a possibility for an Islanders to trade for? If yes, who do we send to the Seattle Kraken? Okay, I don't think the answer is yes. Why would the Kraken trade a 24 year old? cost controlled defenseman for the next what four or five years why would they move a guy like that he's a restricted free agent maybe he makes two and a half million per year he's a top four guy why would you move i wouldn't move somebody like that maybe lou would like he did with uh, uh devon taves but most gms would not i will say he's gonna earn more than two and a half he's probably gonna be earning three three and a half at least uh, yeah and uh, who would we have to give up? No earthly idea. I will tell you that one has always baffled me. Not sure what we'd have to give up. I assume they'd have to be like a, a some sort of young piece there. If the Seattle Kraken are looking, I don't know what the Seattle Kraken are looking to do. Are they looking to win now? I think they're looking to be competitive, but they're also looking to build for the future. They, I think Vegas took the approach of, "Hey, we're looking to win now." They don't have the Kraken. The Kraken don't have any centers at all, really. Uh, they're lacking in scoring, and that's not something we can offer them. Mm. Well, Grumpy, we're here at the end of the podcast here today. Uh, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to say here? I just want to say love and laughter to everyone who listens and even those who don't from TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Again, big thanks and shout out there to Will Scouching there for coming on to the podcast here today. Uh, big thanks to him. And thank you guys there for tuning in. Remember, we're going to be going live tomorrow on TJ and the Grumpy Old Man, which is in the link in the description below um, at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on any of the content. Make sure you like and follow us there on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us at Islander Islanders Never Say Die podcast. Islanders Never Say Die. That's where you can find us. Thank you again for everybody tuning in, and thank you again, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure.